Hello? Uh, good evening. How are you this evening? Not bad. Uh, I'm doing a survey. Uh, do, do you listen to podcasts? Yeah. And do you know Peach and Black? Peach and Black podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know them. I was raised on them. What about them? Okay, uh, have you heard the new episode, Diamonds and Pearls? Yeah. Do you like the show? No, I don't like anything Peach and Black has ever done. You don't like it? Why is that? Because of their views, there's no variety. Every episode's the same. It's all vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. In New York, they didn't even listen to Prince's limousine music. Peach and Black fans, they grow up battered, despondent, desolate, and unwanted. Like you have a personal problem then, right? No, I don't have a personal problem. Seems like you have one. No, you do, brother. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, brother? You got a problem? What kind of life do you live? I'm gonna put my foot in your ass like Tony M. Really? Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world, featuring the hosts, MC, you know, it's got all those classic Prince elements, Captain, why wouldn't you just record as much as you could, player, it's just like a story chance of ideas, toe jam, either version, I love both versions. Hello, 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 and welcome back. This is the Peach and Black Podcast. It's another episode, it's another show, and guess what, ladies and gentlemen, it's another album review. We're going all the way back 22 years ago, or thereabouts, 1991, and we're about to go into an album, Diamonds and Pearls. The first real big release of the 90s, in my opinion. But let's introduce the panel player. You think I'm posing? I'm just frozen. <laughs> uh, Captain. Get stupid! Get stupid! Uh, I have a funny feeling we're going to be hearing an awful lot of that tonight. Uh, toe Jam. Fitting the cartridge into your video game. <laughs> uh, Get funky in a house tonight. And uh, I'm MC, and uh, welcome everyone, all, the, all, all of our listeners. Uh, whether you're a long-term listener or just joining the show uh, recently, we welcome all of you to the Peach and Black world, and uh, we're going to get into all things uh, good and plenty about uh, Prince and his music, and uh, obviously the Diamonds and Pearls era, and specifically the Diamonds and Pearls album. So let's go straight into the beginning of this album, track number one, Thunder. Let's go. Thunder opens up this album with a loud explosion, a real boom, boom, boom type track. There's a lot going on in this song, isn't there? If you guys don't mind, I'll just open this up and um, start off our review of this album. There's some crazy effects on the guitar all throughout this song. It, it reminds me in, in part of Thunderstruck by ACDC, mainly because of the name, but also just because of the uh, the intensity of the, um, just the power of the sound, I guess. The, the arranging here is truly phenomenal as well. We spoke during our Silver album review about his arranging abilities. And, you know, considering that Thunder, the song, is a one-man band production and performance that makes it even more exceptional but you've got this gospel scary choral choirs in the background which are all prints you know they're all his voices basically you've got this indian style melody densely programmed densely arranged the sitar sounding guitar mixed with heaps of keyboard 
Arabic elements and, and dare I say, Arabic scales or Eastern scales in the chord structure. There's embellishments left, right and center. Heavy guitar, just a kaleidoscope, kaleidoscopic structure of sound. There's cool percussion throughout, prints on the drums, the lyrics. The only questionable parts are only ch- the children born of me, i.e. Jesus, will remain. Uh, I don't know about that. But I like the come on, save your soul tonight aspect of it. The chords, the scales, the notes that are all over the place, underpinned by this simple, powerful groove. I love this song as an opener. What do you guys think? Captain. What a start to this album. And <laughs> to all the, the 1992 Diamonds and Pearls concerts as well. This was the first song. Blow the roof off straight away. That's what you do. And this was the sixth single final single from the album it was released in the uk on vinyl mc vinyl you can go and buy it oh there's a picture vinyl too isn't it's it? a 12 inch picture disc and i love that photo i still haven't it's got it such yet. a good photo it's so good and that vinyl was released this single was released the same day the uk tour kicked off anyway so many things to talk about as conan loves to say of course we start off with the multi-track vocals probably the best example of his multi-tracking abilities on this whole album right here on the first song just in case you didn't know how great he was, he's going to give it all in the first song. And you've got the huge bass. You've got a triangle. 25 triangle! Sec- triangle. That takes some skill, I'll tell you now. And 25 seconds in, you have my favorite part of the song. You've got the same big guitar thing, which was in uh, one of the mixes of Party Man. And whoever's seen that musical portrait little documentary where he's playing the bass to Party Man, it's, it's on that as well. Same thing. <laughs> same, same. That's good. Cool. I'll have to check it out. And it's also in another song as well, but I can't think which one. Uh, I'm just going to go on forever. You've got the yeah, yeah, yeah bit. That sounds good. And like MC was saying, you've got that main little riff, that ding, 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 ding. But then <laughs> in the background behind that, there's another like high synth one, which is totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's so much better. And it's going do, 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 do. It's so much better than the main one. I love it. And I'm a guy, no, I'm a great singer. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the first verse, you got some, you got some sort of like wood block. It's not a cowbell. I'm sure it's a wood block percussion. It's going, it's going left to right like crazy. And then the second verse, you've got those big synth swells after each line, and that goes like left to right when you're on, on the headphones. Later on, you've got the classic early '90s like stabby piano chords here and there. The guitar work in this, it just sounds so good. The sound, the big crunch, crunchy guitar. And, and MC said that bit about only the children born of me will remain. That's a really cool bit because he, oh, I don't know if he did it on purpose, but if he recorded the backing vocals first and then the main vocal, because the main vocal, he sings differently to what he recorded on the backing vocals. The backing vocals say will remain really quickly. They say will remain. But he, when he sings the lead vocal, he sings it really longer. And you can hear it when you listen to it. No one Re- really longer, Captain. Really longer. Fake <laughs> <Great> description. <laughs> he sings it. He he stretches that word longer than the backing vocals did. So I don't know if if he did it on purpose or he just thought as he was recording it. Oh, this sounds better, but I've already done all the backing vocals, so I won't have to bother changing them. I'll just leave them different and be tricky. I think that's what he did. And three forty one, you got the big breakdown vocals, just killing it. Uh, you also have in this song Prince doing some bass notes as an instrument, not a vocal. You just hear this mm-hmm, all through this song. And it's just him doing the bass notes. And it's good stuff. It's cool. From 436, you have this guitar solo that's doubled with the lead synth as well, which is probably uh, 
Purple Axe. And again, I love that little synth line that's in the background. 526, power chords kick in, and then blow your head off time, and that's the end. This is a great song. <laughs> pow, pow, pow. <laughs> Get officially blown. <laughs> exactly. This is a great song. Great okay. start to the album. Great Drink start to the show after that. <laughs> I want some of that purple Kool-Aid, Captain. Player, your th- what are your thoughts on Thunder? Well, I think Captain's already covered it all. He's just gone off on that one. <laughs> um, it's one-man band effort, so even though this is billed as a, a band album, like this first track is kind of like the bridging gap between sort of the graffiti bridge era and the sort of MPG era. It was inspired by the 91 Gulf War. There's a lot of religious references in it, and it's kind of a precursor to the song 7 with the multi-layered vocals and the sitar riffs and all that. Oh, Billboards. yeah. It's, it's, is it a cousin? Or a sister or brother? Uh, I think it's more like a template. Oh, but they're not, they're not related. I thought this would be the brother. Thunder's the boy and Seven is the girl. Uh, it might be. It's brother and sister, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the Billboard's ballet extended version is sort of more operatic and dramatic. It's quite cool because on the uh, album version, it, it's pretty consistent all the way through. But in that version, there comes a point where it sort of breaks down and becomes real, real low. And then it builds right back up. And then you get this sort of climatic uh, ending. It's very impressive in its arrangement and its execution. I like the song. It's it's pretty cool. And coming from Prince as a one-man band effort, it is uh, very impressive. Cool, cool, cool. And Mr. Toe Jam. Uh an amazing arrangement, this one. I kind of slept on this for a few years, but I really enjoy it now. It's one of my favorites on the album. Just, again, the arrangement, 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 and the fact that it's a one-man thing is just mind-blowing. It's got a really interesting sound. I agree with Player. It's kind of the link between Thieves in the Temple, that kind of sound. And Thieves in the Temple was kind of a, an updated version of Dove's Cry for me. And so this is kind of like, you know, part of that sort of trilogy of that sort of harmonic minor sound with these big over, overdubbed vocals, choruses, and this kind of thing. It always reminds me of those sort of video game sounds. Written here in my notes, it reminds me of something like Sonic the Hedgehog in Egypt Land. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that flute, that synth flute, sort of gives me that feel. And that bubbly bass that pops up at four minutes, sort of additional keyboard bass line. There's lots of examples where, you know, the music's complementing what's happening in the in the lyrics. You know, he talks about rain, and then you hear these raindrops, synth raindrops going on in the background, all this, and... The interplay between the guitar and the synth strings in that towards the middle section. Really classical and operatic. I love it. Some cool lyrics too. Uh, love Jump from the Radio. It's kind of, he's talking about the first time he really experienced that feeling of, you know, just bliss, just hearing this funky music coming from the radio. And I love the way he then mixes it. He's sort of saying, well, is this music, is it my savior or is it the devil in disguise? That's really cool. Yeah, I think you guys have said most of it. It's a really funky track, very unique track. And it does kind of sound a bit more Graffiti Bridge-ish sound-wise, but I think it's a, it's a good way to open the album. I never thought that at all, but now that you've both said it, um, I think, yeah, it does sound Graffiti Bridge-ish. Yeah, I think it's the big sound and, and the choir of vocals and all the... Um, yeah. yeah, it's just yeah, well, a, it's, really... It, like me and Play sort of said, it's like I, I hear Thieves in the Temple, Thunder, Seven, as kind of like a trilogy almost, like Ooh. sonically and thematically. Uh, when you put it that way, those three songs, just one after another, how good are they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because players said, it's like, this song's like the bridge, and it is. It's the bridge from Graffiti Bridge to Diamonds and Pearls. Uh-huh. But it is, because this is mostly a band album, but it starts off with the big one-man band thing saying, yeah, I can still do this stuff too. But now, he's the band. Yep. 
Yeah. And and the band really comes into play and obviously for the first time, but how tight is this next track? Track number two, Daddy Pop. It's the second track of this album and the first real big band sound of the 90s, I would argue. You got that sheen glossy production and uh, I'm not going to start this off, but this is definitely a new a new sound, you know, <laughs> new sound for the 90s. So, um, player, give us your thoughts on Daddy Pop. Oh, Daddy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think this is a nice track. It's bright, it's poppy, it's your first taste of MPG, uh, has some nonsensical lyrics over the Aretha Franklin rock steady drum loop. I like the organ sound and the horns, really bright sounding. Has elements reminiscent of the time song Shake. I think this song and Cream have a, both a bit of that. Also has a lot of slice stone elements, having the mul- multiple vocals of Prince Rosie and Tony M. But I could either take it or leave it. This song, it's enjoyable for what it is. But it's, I mean, I think there's other standout tracks on this album. But for what it is, it's it's quite um, good and sort of gets you out of your seat and moving. All right, all right, Tojen. Uh, yeah, kind of the same. It's it's not bad, but it's not exactly super memorable. I really love the lyric. Uh, where he's sort of spacing it out, and he's like, a list as long as his. And you think, oh, no, don't say that. Tori itself. Like, oh, that's a really nice, nice little way to get out of that awkward moment there. <laughs> the organ is sort of a sort I don't of get Sesame it. Street. I don't get that line, by the way. You don't get it. I do. Player knows. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out of the loop on this one. <laughs> Uh, Never mind. Okay. When, 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 you're, when you're a bit older, you'll get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the organ has a real sort of Sesame Street sound, a sort of real 60s soul sound, which is kind of cool. But again, it's, you know, Prince knows best. See the people running from the truth. Oh, we're all running from you, Prince. We don't understand. We're not, we're not worthy. Sorry. Uh, that's a bit <laughs> annoying. Um, there's a really interesting key change halfway through the song when the rap comes in. Although I really could not really be bothered at all with the rap. It's a really interesting key change. It goes to the, the tritone distance so it's really the most off the wall place you could go uh and then there's a really cool bass resolution to get it back that that brings it back into the groove but yeah i've I've got here tony m's rap meh it's just not happening for me sorry i know everyone loves tony m but i'm I'm just not feeling it but yes it's not a bad poppy song very glossy for me the funky beat and bass with tony tony b's keys Tony B. Tony B. <laughs> Tony B. Tony Bianco. <laughs> what am I thinking about? Shoes or... <laughs> Tommy, Tommy B. Tommy B's electric spacey organ sounds filling out the um, vastness of this of this song. I love the music in this. This is like NPG on on the funk, like like pure funk on the one. Yeah, early 90s style grooves by a band that was really put together to play this type of stuff, I think. But what's up with the nonsensical lyrics? I mean, this is whack, whack, wiggity, 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 whack once again. Well, not you and the wigwag again. It is. It's the wigwag. Who is Daddy Pop? Uh, I've got a theory about that. But what's we'll all this that. stuff about? I mean, uh, I mean, okay, he's obviously Daddy Pop, but the thing is, Tony M's rap just spoils it. The MPG is like... Ah, so the the MPG are like so lame at that point in the song. Unfortunately, it's not an instrumental, but it should be. It's so tight instrumentally, it's not funny. And the end of the song is one of the tightest endings in Prince Prince's musical history. That and and Michael B is just killing the cymbals on that and the hi hat. It's just nuts. 
I wish this was an instrumental myself and it would have been an audacious move after um, the opening track. Captain. Okay, me. This song, straight into the funk. You've got this the drum loop lifted straight from Rocksteady by Aretha Franklin. Uh, it's very detailed and heavy on the percussion. The percussion on this is just insane. Uh, I love the sound of the organ all throughout this track. It's just, there's just the sound of it. It's so good. And then you've got the guitar, the talk, guitar, talk. That bit with the, the crybaby, oh, it just sounds so cool. But for me, this track really gets going. It's about halfway through at 2.45. That's when it really starts to go good. Uh, you've got this mad organ chord at 2.52. It's just mental. You've got the deep purple Concord jams. And I love the, the eerie keyboard in the background when he says that. And you've got Elisa Fiorillo in there doing some vocals. Uh, at 3.50, you got the, the big change starts with that sustained organ note. Now, I always thought it was Sonny, but it's Levi on bass in this song. So there you go, in case you didn't know. I always thought it was Sonny. From 406, that bass just kills me every single time. It's just so funky. And then, the man we've all been waiting for, Tony M. Tony M is in the house. I love it. Especially 445, the funkiest band in land. And what I enter the song, it's like MC said, the end of this song is just excellent. And supposedly it was from a new to a rehearsal of Party Man, this, this second part of the song. So it all makes sense now because Party Man is Daddy Pop's father. That's how it all makes sense now. <laughs> They're connected. He took a bit of Party Man and Exclusive put it in info. Exclusive <laughs> info only on Peach and Black Podcast. Peach little, and Black Podcast. A, a little bird told us about this. We can't reveal who it was. <laughs> I, I might be confused if father or uncle. I'm not sure. But he's definitely related. And that's it. All right, all right. So oh, I, didn't, I didn't say if I like it or not. I really like this song. <laughs> this album opens with a massive, massive track. Goes into a funk jam with all sorts of, depending on your opinion, either wiggity-whack rap lyrics or interesting uh, lyrical content. <laughs> and it goes into track number three, which is usually track number three is a key a key song on an album. And I, I think this one is as well. It's one of the singles. It's a ballad. It's the third track. It's Diamonds and Pearls. This was released as a single with an accompanying video. It's probably one of his most well-known songs from the 90s, certainly from this album. And we'll take it over to Toe Jam to introduce us to this. Uh, I haven't got a lot to say about it, but just because simply it's just such an amazing song. It's a stellar song. It's one of the Prince classic ballads, and rightfully so. It's it's very classy. It's um, not like some of his other amazing ballads, which, you know, after about seduction or something. This is just a really classy ballad about love, I guess you'd say. Some interesting things, that the timing of just the way the song works, very interesting. I tried to analyse it, but it's hard to work out. It's like, it's 4-4, it's four, four, but then there's a seems to be a 5-4 bar thrown in there every now and then. Really interesting, compositionally, very, very unique. I can't think of a single other ballad that sort of sounds like this. It's a very unique timing of the song. Does that make sense? I love the video too. I think the video is really classy. Everything sort of sparkles, doesn't it? Like even the, the piano and the, the synths. And it all sort of has this nice little tingle, jingle jewelry kind of theme to it all. It's got a sheen, doesn't it? Yeah, like it does. You, you, you look at the album cover and, and what you're talking about at the moment, it's kind of like it visually is very um, 
vibrant you know like the music is vibrant so yeah and um i do love the the big build-up towards the end you got that big distorted guitar that comes in you've got the only annoying thing is that little whiny synth trumpet (laughs) that's a bit annoying come on you should have got michael nelson to play that that would have been much better yeah you gotta hate that bit Um, (laughs) but the live version of this just screamed out with this amazing guitar solo which is kind of missing on this but that's not a bad thing actually because it made the live version special because you weren't expecting that but yeah what a i can't really say much more about it it's just such a it's a brilliant top class ballad all right and uh with that we move to player who has been known to to have uh, something interesting to say about ballads so let's see what he says this time player Okay. <laughs> no, I think this is really well written and executed pop ballad. Uh, it reminds me in parts of the Arms of Orion, and it seems like Prince has used that song as a template to craft a more fully realized song here. I like the first 10 seconds where he puts all these random musical sounds in. He could have quite easily opened the track up from the 10 second mark and gone straight into it, but he puts in these little touches to make it a bit more interesting to listen to, so I really like that he does that. Draws um, you in. Yeah, it does, yeah. The vocal delivery matches the melody of the song, which is a nice touch. The change in the bridge section is interesting, and you've got Michael B's hard-hitting drum fills in there, but they don't detract or ruin the song. It just um, adds to it and sort of makes it more um, bright and interesting to listen to. Rosie's vocals are on point. It's pretty much a duet with Prince when you think about it. And it's just nice. It's well-crafted, radio-friendly pop ballad that has like quite a few tracks on this album, a fade-out. So yeah, cool song, Dumb's Pearls. Okay. I, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. I do think that this is one of his best ballads of all time, really. It's got everything that that a pops a classic pop song needs. Um it's got that slow beginning, an interesting verse structure, catchy chorus. It's got enough variation towards the end of the track with that, you know, that massive lead up to the fake horn <laughs> section, the fake trumpet parts. Um, but really, you know, Michael B's drums are, are big and um, echoey sounding, and the bass line is really memorable. Uh, that that's just so creative and instantly re- recognizable. Again, I've spoken about in the last few episodes we've done. I've spoken about standards and songs that can be considered standards. This is with. Out a doubt, you know, one of those songs that should be considered for standard status, as MC would say. It seems influenced, in fact, that that bass line and the melody line itself, it seems influenced by Indian sounds. If you transfer what you hear being done by the bass or by the keys into a, a sitar or one of the other Indian stringed instruments, you could really, you could hear it. I think he, I hope you get what I mean. At the two and a half minute mark, the arrangement just becomes almost operatic. And Prince and Rosie cover the harmonies beautifully. And, you know, I can understand why, just like nothing compares to you, he doesn't seem to perform this song often, you know, if at all, really, um, with another singer. Because Rosie. Uh, I remember he said at some point, at some some sort of interview, he said he's never going to perform. Diamonds and Pearls without Rosie. All right. And he, and he stuck to it. He's never played it. He's played like 10 seconds in a piano medley, but he's never played the song without and it. And that's about it. And he usually just does that beginning bit, you know, the one that everyone notices. 
and everyone goes, oh, and then he goes on to something else. Yeah, which is which is a shame. I'd love to hear Diamonds and Pearls, you know, with full band, especially he's he seems to be bringing the horn section back. It'd be great to hear. And and the lyrics, you know, they could sound cliche. I think some of them still do on the surface, but if you take the song as a whole for what it is, I actually like the lyrics. Um, I wouldn't usually say that about what Prince has written here, but I like it. There's there's some substance to this song, and I think mainly because of the inclusion of diamonds and pearls, and the you know the conflict between uh, potentially material wealth and uh, real love or true love. I, I like that about the song. Um, in in lesser hands, I think this would come off sappy, and Prince turns it into a, a a masterpiece ballad. So there you go, and some nice guitar flourishes that um, lead us straight into Captain's thoughts to finish the review of this song. Okay, then this is a duet. With Rosie Gaines. There you go. <laughs> this was a massive commercial success. It was the fourth single of this massive album. It came out, I think, seven weeks after the album did. And like a lot of Prince singles that come out, it sounded like nothing else that was around when it was released. I mean, this sounded like nothing in 1992 when it was released. Uh, it's great vocals by both Prince and Rosie all over this track. And like Toe said, uh, in the live version, it had this big guitar solo with the big build-up and then this massive solo. It would have been so good to have that on the album. But you said it made it special, so maybe it's better that it's not on the album. I don't know. I love the guitar solo. And Toe said the fake horn, uh, that's annoying. It wouldn't have taken much just to get some real horns on there. I mean, I hope that's not just a... I hope that wasn't him just being cheap. It's like, oh, you know, if we get the horn heads in here or, or even just one of them, it's going to cost, you know, this much. I'll just do it on a keyboard. That doesn't cost anything. I hope it wasn't just that because it would have been so good that just to have a real horn sound on there. You know what it reminds uh, me of? in uh, On the Prince album, you know, on I Feel For You, it's got that cheesy synth whip, whip, horn whip, on that. Whip. Yeah, yeah, it is. It could be the it could be the same keyboard. The same, yeah. It's like a keyboard from the '75 or something. Yeah, he's still got it. <laughs> and here's something interesting. This was the first studio recording that featured Sonny T, Michael B, Tommy Barbarella, and Rosie and Prince. So it's a in that way, it's a historic song. This was the first song they recorded all together as a band. Mm. So not, not not a bad effort, wouldn't you not say? Not bad for just the first to start song. With. Yeah. It was all downhill from there, really. <laughs> Someone mentioned the fills. There's some amazing fills in the last like two and a half seconds of this fade out. Go and oh, listen it's... to that. Those fills, would you believe, it's Sheila E. It's not Michael B. Sheila E. did that. She's on this album. Who knew that? Mm, very good. Uncredited. Sheila E. We're kicking the facts on Peach and Black. <laughs> <laughs> Contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> so that's this song. As for the song itself, I'm not a big fan of it. I don't not like it. I just don't love it. It's okay. It's a good pop ballad single song. Just not, you know, it's not in my top five, top three of this album. So that's yeah. me. And uh, thanks for that, Captain, because I'm sure you've got a lot more to say about the next song. I think we all will. Um, mm-hmm. The cream rises to the top, and it certainly does so for track number four, Cream. This is another massive worldwide hit, probably one of his biggest songs of all time from a purely commercial standpoint. It is, of course, Cream. Uh, okay. Where do, yeah, where, where do you start with this? I'll give my little roundup and then I'll hand it over to everyone else. I mean, this is just cleverness 
on his part, I think. It's not an incredible song, certainly not one of my favorite tracks of all time or anything like that, but it's very effective. I think he's, at this stage in his career, you know, in the early 90s, he's, he's become when he wants to, a very clever arranger and pop producer, producer of pop gold, so to speak. You know, you've got this awesome guitar rhythms that underpin the song. They're just cool to listen to, you know. It's a very, very simple time sig. The lyrics are playful. The vocals are smooth. The lyrics are actually pretty funny. Like, I love that line, you're filthy cute and baby, you know. That, that is one of the classic Prince lines of all time. The rhythm is this kind of boogie groove, and it's like a boogie T-Rex in the 90s style pop jam. And the arrangement is real class here, I think. You know, he's just a deft arranger. This is a sexy track. and uh, You're just saying it's classy because he wore a vest in the video. Potentially. <laughs> <laughs> the the female dancers might have had oh, something they to helped. Do with it. They helped. Yeah, yeah, and a good point, Captain. Great video. A great video from the point of view that it it's very playful and it kind of um it's the visual equivalent to what's happening in the song. And I don't know, there's something about that video that's just cool to watch every time it comes on. And you know, people that aren't even really Prince fans, when that video I've been in situations where that video comes on and people still start singing or dancing to that song. It's got endless pop appeal and mass appeal, and I guess that's why it's one of his biggest one of his biggest tracks. So, player, what are your thoughts on this? This is very sexually suggestive, but done with a certain style of swag and cool. It's very well produced and engineered. It gives the song a certain sonic quality that sets it apart from other Prince tracks, especially the drums and the guitar licks. This has some elements like Shake, like I was saying before, and Daddy Pop with the organ riff that comes up during the chorus. I like the way he does the vocal delivery. It's kind of like a seductive, whispered tone. That's really cool. And like you said, MC, this would have to be one of his biggest hits of all time. And although it's played to death, you've got to give it props for what it is. It's a, it's a classic. Very, very cool and suggestive song. Yeah, it's, it's hard to argue with this song, isn't it? But particularly yeah. particularly if, if he wrote it in the mirror, as he has suggested on occasion. <laughs> Toe Jam. Uh, yeah, why, I agree. Why, why am I always last? Sorry, sorry. I was. I meant to say captain, and at the last I don't minute. Just, <laughs> now you can go, 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 if you want. Yeah, no, you go ahead. Uh, I captain, don't captain. I know you're raring to go, so give, give us your thoughts. Why am I going last? <laughs> <laughs> captain, we've heard enough of. We've heard enough from you tonight. We're going to go to toe jam on this. If okay. You don't mind. <laughs> no, no, captain. Um. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Captain, screw your head on tight. Give us your thoughts here, cream. This. This song, one of his biggest singles of the 90s and oh, probably one of his biggest singles ever. This got to number two in Australia, so awesome. it, was, it was massive here. Uh, this was the second single off the album, released three weeks before the album was. This became his fifth ever number one single in the USA. And this, like MC said, this still comes on. It still sounds great today. Yeah. It's, it's one of those songs... I mean, we know it came out in 1991, but because we're idiots and we know everything. But, you know, most people don't know. They just know it came out a while ago. But it's one of those songs, it's, it's a timeless song. This could come out today. Yeah. And, it it's, it's just, and it's just a straight rock song. You can't pinpoint, you know, oh, that guitar sounds like it's from nine, early 90s. Yeah, I mean, with, with some updated production, I think this kind of track, you know, the bare bones of it could easily go on the radio today and would be a massive hit. You should re-release it. What's he doing? That's a, that's a very interesting idea, actually. You know, I heard a rumor that he wrote this song while he was looking in the mirror. Has anyone else heard that? <laughs> anyway, it still sounds great today. The drums just sound huge. The guitars, they're so clear and they're up front. They're right there. I love it. And this is one of my favorite lineups. 
Michael B, Sonny T, Levi Caesar Jr, Tommy Barbarella and Prince and and a bit and Rosie. That band just blow your head off right there. Now, I'm not a huge fan of this track itself, but I'm very grateful simply because the creation of this song led to the creation of Do Your Dance, Casey's Remix, which is one of my favorite Prince tracks of all time. So, for that reason, I have I am grateful for this song because it, it made that song. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> do Your Dance, Casey's Remix. Go and listen to it. Cream Remix EP. Best song ever. One what of the hell that got to do with Cream? All right, we, 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 we're, cutting, we're cutting you off. That's it. <laughs> Uh, now, I won't say too much about that song because we'll get to that, but there's, I'm sure there's a whole podcast on Prince and his maxi single releases. We'll get to that later. I don't know exactly why this song did so well. It's a very simple like blues-based song. The video helped a lot, MC said, but I think most, most of all, this album and all its singles, from a promotion point of view, this, this whole campaign of promotion for this album was executed perfectly. You know, it had the single release, there was one before the album, there was one after the album and the videos and Warner Brothers did their job very well on this. He couldn't have a complaint. I'm sure he does but he shouldn't. From our point of view, I don't think this, the promotion of this album could have gone any better. No, it, it was great. You're right. It was fantastic on all accounts. It made it just huge. Do you know the reason why that was? You know uh, Michael Jackson's manager, Frank Diallo? Or, oh, yeah, know, yeah. Prince hired him after, like Michael Jackson got rid of him or something and Prince hired him after Dangerous. Oh, was, sloppy seconds. Is, yeah. <laughs> but he, he was the one going in negotiating with Warners all the time. Uh-huh. So it, it happened throughout Diamonds and Pearls and the start of Symbol, but halfway through Symbol, that's where things went a bit pear-shaped, and he actually started the side with the Frank dude, started the side with Warner Brothers, so Prince got uh, rid of him, and then that's where... can't do that, can't do that. Yeah, yeah, so that's where it went all pear-shaped, but that's the story I heard, I don't know if that's... Oh, interesting. I mean, it gives you a reason why that sort of, this era just sort of peaked in like its promotion. I know, like it was, was just... The driving force of it, yeah. Could, I don't think it could have gone any better. Yeah, it was good. It was great. Massive worldwide hit. What else do you want? It was huge. But the best, anyway, back to Cream. The best bit in this whole song, there's this great high note near the end. It's at 3.54. Now, I always thought it was his vocal, but on many listens with the headphones, it's actually the feedback from his guitar, perfectly edited in right after his vocal. So it, it sounds like it's him, but it's not. It's the guitar. Go and listen to that. Yeah, that's one of the best bits in the song for me. Anyway, that's Cream, which created Do Your Dance Casey's remix. Oh, I don't know. You were going to mention that again. <laughs> that's it. You're banned from mentioning that name. Toe Jam, tell us a little bit about Cream from your point of view. Oh, I think musically we've all sort of hit the nail on the head. It's pretty much perfect pop song, isn't it? I really hated it at first. I thought it was really cliche and cheesy. And, but over the years, I've grown to appreciate the popness of it and how simple and effective it is. Uh, I think it's derivative of the time song Shake. Uh, it sounds like it's kind of the... Uh, Player said that too. I never, I never really... Yeah, I never you hear that? that? The, the keyboard. The yeah, the, the organ. organ part. Yeah. Yeah, um, I never got the, it, but the, now, the, that you're the, say, the, now that you've both said it, now I can hear it. <laughs> I love all the, the sparsy blues licks just going on, again, between the, between the lyrics. Mm. Really cool, bluesy stuff going on. I love his vocals as well. He's just kind of behind the beat a bit, you know, playing Total Mr. Cool. Uh, and it's really a, you know, Prince feeding his own ego song. And sometimes that comes across as really pretentious, but sometimes he just gets it right, doesn't he? And this is one of those ones. Because you can imagine anyone, you know, about to go out on a night, you know, getting ready, putting this on, going, yeah, I know the greatest, you know. Uh, <laughs> I got a little story about the video. I, how cool is the video? Like the full extended version of the video with the intro? Yeah. You know, this, well, who's this Prince? One. Who's this who's Prince guy? 
the video, I really love the video, the whole intro where they're in the train station. It's really uh, introducing the NPG to you and their comic abilities that they get up to. Those crazy antics the NPG get up to. And, you know, Prince is covered by the, he's got the two girls next to him. He's just playing Total Mr. Cool again. And I remember when I went to LA, because obviously that was filmed at one of the LA train stations, one of the main ones. And I remember when I went to LA in, in the early 2000s, I remember just walking around this train station going, oh man, this place looks really familiar. And suddenly it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in the cream video. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really cool moment. Where's Michael B in um, his big bucket yeah. of chicken? But I've since I've since seen that train station filmed in so many movies and video clips. Mm. It's all over the place. So uh, yeah, that's where it was filmed. Obviously, a film location they use regularly. Yeah, it's a big go-to when they need a train station. Yeah. Uh, so. It was also cool in that video. You'd hear some other tracks as well. You hear some Get Off remixes in the background. So it's like. Again, it's all this little ad for the Diamonds and Pearls era. Really cool. So yeah, Cream, it's a perfect pop song. Let me say about the video and another thing about Cream. You know where he drinks the coffee and then he does that funny face? Mm. That's funny. The That's Cream, all. I think the Cream was out of date. Yeah, but see, that <laughs> makes... And his hair, his hair in that was so cool. It was, I think it was, it was still like graffiti bridge hair. It hadn't been puffed up into the big typhoon just yet. <laughs> you cracked me up. His hair, he looks so cool in that. It's like graffiti bridge, but it hasn't been like, you know, super straightened. It's still a bit like scraggly, but it, oh, it's cool hair. But anyway, with the, with the coffee and cream. He's obsessed with cream. I'm just thinking. Who isn't, Captain? Who isn't? I mean, there's the obvious relation to that word. That what do you he mean? Likes I don't know what you're use. talking about. Of course mm. you don't. Got the horn, why don't you blow it? Yeah. <laughs> Does he mean a cream horn? Because they're nice. <laughs> <laughs> I get them from the bakery. They're tasty. <laughs> anyway, but you're thinking... Um, you're them from the wrong place, Captain. <laughs> you get them where you get them, I'll get them where I get them. <laughs> Mine only costs $1.80. Yeah, but players, players last longer, though. <laughs> anyway, listen, coffee and cream. What's my name? What did, what did you say? You never would have drank my coffee if I never served you cream. That is a mm. good line. That means That's a great line. It is a great line because it's referencing this song. If he didn't have a big pop hit with Cream and got all those new fans, they wouldn't have it's followed a, and what, listened to all the weird stuff he came, came after. It's a great line, but even that line can be taken two ways. And Three yeah. Chains of Gold. Yeah, and Three yeah. Chains of Gold. That's the other one. Yeah. That one's what's, stupid, though, really. That's that a silly one? lyric. This morning I woke up, I wanted some coffee, but I didn't have any cream. He's just, it's in his head. Coffee and cream. Don't break the chains. Any other cream references you can think of? That's the main ones that just came into my head now. I mean, we are a relatively uh, PG audience type show, so no. The answer to that is no. Well, we're four tracks in. Let's go into track number five before this this joke gets a lot um, more... Creamy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, 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 erotic city. Erotic city. Slow down, Captain. (laughs) No, it doesn't matter. Moving on. So, um... PG, PG. We've had four relatively big songs. I mean, the album really does open open with a bang. And then we go into track number five, and and to a lesser extent, uh, track number six, that kind of slows it down a little bit. Track number five is Strollin'. And uh, Toe Jam, I'll give this one to you to open up. What do you think? I, again, another one of these tracks I slept on for years and years thinking, oh yeah, it's just a bit of a try-hard jazz song. But I actually think it's really cool now. It seems to be very similar to the song Yellow, Sheila E's Prince-produced song Yellow. Very similar bass line, very similar tempo, very similar vibe, just a sort of straight swing thing. For me, the highlight is just the, the vocals towards the end. He's just... 
starts going, starts really belting it out towards the end on his vocals, background vocals and lead. Vo- the lead, he's sort of doing the lead vocal, but it's sort of held back a bit in the background. Really cool when he's doing that stroll and stroll, all that sort of stuff. I like the lyric where he's like, um, you see the man with the blue guitar, and then you hear this played guy the guitar because it's a blue. It's a blue guitar, you know, blues. Haha, <laughs> get it? <laughs> but I like that kind of stuff. It's pretty funny. But yeah, it's just a really short, sweet, simple song. And I think, you know, the song does well for what he's talking about. He's talking about having a stroll in the park and just loving life, I suppose. So yeah, it's a really good song. You know what? You say it's short. It's almost four minutes. But in my head as well, it it's, a really that way, short, yeah. but it's a really short song in my brain. But it's like 347. Mm. Keep, it, keep it going, Captain. What else do you think? Okay. For me, this is a tie with another song on this album, tie for weakest track on the album. It's nothing great. But big points for always, you know, throwing something totally different out of left field just to show, yeah, I can do this sort of thing too. And he's always got to have at least one or two of them on every album. There's nothing wrong with it, I think. It's just, it's not my type of thing. It's got a great guitar slash keyboard solo at the same time. It's got some cool backing vocals in there. This isn't a song, like, I never sit there and go, oh, I'm going to listen to Strollin' right now. I've never thought that or said that in my life, and I probably won't. It's pretty simple, isn't it, Captain? I get, I get that point. But I think I think it's the simplicity of this song that makes it really cool. It's exquisite, in my mind, effortlessly cool, and an effortlessly cool and stylish vocal performance, to be precise. You know, we, we reviewed Symbol, and I spoke about Damn You and how impressed I was, um, how absolutely amazed I was by his um, vocal performance there this to a slightly lesser extent but this is still incredible to me um when you think of prince in general as an artist and and him as a singer very rarely do you kind of imagine him as a jazz stylist and i use the term jazz loosely but um it's it's got hints of jazzy elements in 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 the way that he delivers a lot of these lines and i like it is this the first jazz is this the first song in a form of jazz music that he has put on an album that's my question because this is certainly one of the first to me are you excluding madhouse yeah 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 i'm talking about like his you know on well, his albums yeah yeah on his swing album, I... yeah the swing sort of thing uh, yeah the i think swing the... style yeah i mean there was an element on on parade but this is really that kind of more glossy pop jazz really to my ears i, I like this it I... is a little bit elevator music isn't it a little bit yeah not in a bad way yeah i would disagree with that actually but I could hear this on an elevator. I'd be tapping my toes. I think I just figured out why I think this is one of the weakest tracks. It's because the vocals, there's no energy. This song doesn't have energy at all for me. And I think that might be why I don't like it that much. There's just, it's sort of just lazy, like... I don't think it's lazy at all. I just think that's Uh, the intent of the song. You know, you can't can't have massive screams and massive power in it. I think it's fit for I know purpose. you can't have that in every song, but fit. but those are the sort of songs that I do like, which is why I don't like this one, because it doesn't have that. It's oh, I think it's fit for purpose, though. But I, I, I like this on the on the Aladdin DVD. I think the arrangement there was even better. And, um, yeah, all in all, this is a cool track. So, uh, Player, why don't you round out this one for us? Yeah, I slept on this song for ages. I always skipped it. I thought it was just really 
fluffy and fruity and I just <laughs> fruity. I, I didn't like it or have the attention span for it. But I acquired a new res- found respect for it when I saw him perform it live on the Diamond Supposed Tour back in '92. It's quite a cool little song. It has nice jazzy guitar, nice jazz stylings all around. I wouldn't say I'm totally converted, but for what it is, it serves as a nice break on the album. It's a it's a toilet break. No, uh, <laughs> no here. What are you talking about? I have to be in the mood for it, but like it is good. But I haven't always been a fan of it. All right, well, let's move on to a much better song. Yeah, well, with that, we we um we go to track number six, almost the halfway point of this album, and it's willing and able. And, you know, strolling was like the, um, almost like the, the lead up, the rehearsal for what's coming next. You're right, Captain. There's a lot more energy and effort from the whole band going into this next piece. Ah, what a combination of gospel, country funk, and the Minneapolis sound. This is a uniquely brilliant song. Um, I love that. I love that. It's and country, I'm, country, gospel funk. Just just for a second here, I'm going to hand it over to Captain because I think he's bursting out of his skin. Take it away. This is a good song. Uh, actually, it's one of the best songs on this album. And I have, But I have to say straight away, and I know it's not fair, the video version is much better. Yep. There's more energy. It's just, it's got some more extra stuff in it, which is not on the album. I love the video version. I've replaced my version of this album with the video version because it's just, it's better. Now, I always thought this would have made a single. It would have been a great single, but I don't think it was ever planned as one as far as I know. I love the drums. you got the Game Boys on percussion. It's got great guitar. The bass is cool. I love the, the bridge, the change at 130. What else? you got the Steels doing a great job on in the background vocals. Then you got another big change at 354 with Rosie. And then the great Tony M doing his thing uh, on, on the telephone rap. Now, I love this rap, but even better than that rap, is the keyboard that plays in the background at the same time. It's just funny stuff. All I can say is go and search, find the video version. It's live in the studio performance, and it's way better than the one on the album. It's got more energy. It's got more everything. It's got more great vocals in the second half of the song. Go and listen to that right now. Next. (laughs) Player. Uh, I've actually gotten down here the same thing as you. Country stylings, gospel stylings, funk. So, yeah, definitely the same sort of vibe. In some parts, it reminds me of some of the stuff that was on that Paul Simon was doing on Graceland album. Get a little bit of that. Oh, the track. percussion-y stuff. Yeah. Some of the vocal stylings. Actually, the vocals are really good on this and the way that Prince delivers them and how the steels back him up on it. The rap with the... That's kind of like the radio break that sort of comes in with static. That's a cool effect. MCT on the mellow. Yeah. But I have to agree with Captain where it really comes alive and fully realized is the live video version on the Diamonds and Pearls VHS video released with the steels. That version <clears throat> is amazing. But yeah, it's a, it's a really good song. Even uh, I think even in the version on the album, it has its charms. But if I was to pick a version out of it too, it'd be the live version. Woo! Cool, cool, cool. You're revving me up to go watch that video again too. Toe Jam, spill, uh, spill out your thoughts for us. It's a pretty good song. One of the better ones on the album. It's very positive, isn't it? It really gives you that positive vibe. Like, you know, you can reach your destination. Just, you know, be willing and able kind of thing. Really cool. Uh, it's got a real sort of quiet intensity about it, hasn't it? I think that's the bass line. The bass line's really moving. It's do 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 You know, that's just sort of going on in the background. Cool it keeps stuff. it chugging along. Yeah. And it, it just sounds really fun. It sounds like the band are really enjoying it. Uh, while they're recording it. Got that Colin's response thing, the whisper, whisper, shout, shout, scream, scream. 
No, what you say? <laughs> Real See, that's the, stuff. that's the part that goes off even more in the video version. Yeah, that's cool, that bit. Uh, really good. Just builds really well. And for me, what the highlight for me is those funky synths towards the end. That dun, 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 dun. That's so simple, but so funky, and so Minneapolis, bringing the Minneapolis into the country funk. Not much more to say about it. It's just really positive. Puts a big smile on my face every time it comes on. Could have done without the rap, but anyway, it's Aww. it's there. It just, I don't know, it's just it's it's a unnecessary. It's, it's in time songs, with the music. <laughs> it's not out of time. <laughs> For the most part. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, again, it's like it just seems a bit unnecessary. The song is good enough as it is. You didn't need to put that in there. But anyway, it's a minor complaint. It's a really good song. Love it. Yeah, I, I agree with your point about the rap. <laughs> Saying it's a positive song, you just reminded me. I remember listening to this song a couple of times, like back in like 92, 93, before going to job interviews. This was the song I'd listen to just before right. you go in there. It's Gets a good it, song for that. Got, a, got up your spirits. And did you get the job, Captain? Oh, God, I can't remember now. Uh, just say yes. It worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. So, uh, so, Mr. Captain, why should we give you this job? Because I will. And, I'll be able. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the th- then the three of us come in with those background harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> you three jump out behind me. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm ready to wait your tables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, as I said, a perfect combination of gospel country funk and the Minneapolis sound. It is just awesome to listen to, is, is, is the word. Um, there's some really cool conga work, the acoustic guitar plucking, the synth parts, and uh, again, Tommy B scrubbing the dishes at 435 and then, you know, he's going from that to pretending to be a horn section all in one. I love, I love that stuff. You know, the positive, affirmative lyrics make you want to do something and achieve. And no wonder a captain used this for a job interview. I think I might do the same. The, it's good stuff. The background vocals are great by the Steels. Bells and whistles galore. This is one of the most positive, one of the best, most joyous and funky and, and really kind of easy songs to listen to. And it just it just gives you that 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 bit of energy, that real kick that that you need sometimes. And you need um, it after the last track. Yeah, well, <laughs> wake up! Maybe, it's a wake not. up call. But but it well, it's a it's a call to uh, it's a call to arms. It's a call to um to life, really. I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but it is it is one of those songs, and everything's great about it except for that old rap. If that was just taken out of the out of it altogether, this would be an even better song. So, but with that. You know, we're six tracks in. Prince has taken us on a roller coaster ride from all sorts of styles and genres and, you know, new sounds and a new band. And then comes The Monster. Track number seven. It was released before the album was um, even announced from memory. It is, of course, Get Off. Get Off. Get Off. 23 positions in a one night stand. Get Off. I'll only call you after you say I can. Wow, what a. What a big... What a monster. What a big? Big's not... Yeah, what a monster. What a monstrosity of a single <laughs> release in 1991. This would have been just packing them into clubs to hear this track. Where do we start? Where do me, we really me, start? Me, me. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Go. I'm ready to go. Okay, I have to start with the origin of this track. So, I'm going to take you back to October 1990, when for some reason he decided to make a new version of Glam Slam. Like two years, two and a half years after he wrote it. Now, this new version, called Glam Slam 91, even though he did it in 1990, uh, it contained most of the lyrics that ended up in Get Off. 
and even some more lyrics which didn't end up in Get Off. The version of Get Off that's on the new Power Generation Maxi single, that doesn't contain... There's only one tiny riff from that version which ended up in the version on this album. So as stupid as it sounds to say this, Get Off could not have even existed if it wasn't for Glam Slam. That's just weird. Isn't that weird? Glam Slam to Get Off. Silence. You're all, you're all stunned. Blown. <laughs> Heads oh, I'm, blown I'm off. stunned, all right. So, I mean, you cream, you can get to do your Dance Casey's remix, but then you got Glam Slam to get off. Now, that's, that's crazy. I'm warning you. <laughs> now, this was the first single released two months before the album was. This was the first single ever credited to Prince and the New Power Generation, and it was the first time he had credited his band on an album since Parade, Prince and the Revolution. This is a funky track. It is dark. The video is amazing. You listen to this track on headphones, the entire song, it's just filled with heavy breathing and grunting. It's just everywhere. I don't know where else to go with this song. It's just, it's got great lyrics. Everyone knows every word to this song. They're classic lyrics in Prince Land now. What seems to have started on this album was the way that he presents a chorus to us. Prince will sing it, and then you've got, you know, something from Rosie or Tony M. They'll stick a comment. And then, you know, back to Prince again. Like with the 23 positions in a one-night stand, he used that. And he used that sort of thing around this album and this era, which I don't think he'd done much of before. There was never, I'm going to sing a chorus and then someone's going to comment after it. That came in on this album, from what I can see. Uh, But I suppose he had to use Tony M and Rosie, so that that was good for them. I love the vibraphone-sounding thing that comes in around 217 in the background. I love the reference to the get-off version from the NPG Maxi single at 335. Great sounding guitar solo at 354. Big, big, crunchy, amazing tone on that. And you've got Eric Leeds on the flute. And I don't think I'll say any more because you guys still have to talk. <laughs> Toe Jam, we, uh, we're taking this to you. Uh, see if you can uh, follow up Captain's review with as much glowing positivity. It is a big monster of a song. I agree there. It's sort of right in the middle of the album. It's this big, chunky piece of meat, isn't it? I think I prefer the, the damn near 10-minute version that was released as a promo, I believe. That just sounds a bit... This version sounds a little bit overproduced for me. It's kind of a cool groove. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the lead line. It's a bit of a throwaway lead line. Da, 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 da. But a couple of interesting things I've got. The, the very first time that comes in at the beginning, in the left speaker, there's this really out of tune. Like It's only faint in the background, but it's really obviously out of tune. And I, don't, I think that only comes in the once. That's weird, but kind of strange. But kind of cool. Captain was talking about the lyrics. I've got a few here. You know, obviously the 23 positions in a one-night stand. That's just sleazy. But there's some really funny ones too. You know, what you want to eat? And then you hear this, ribs. <laughs> That's funny. Peter Paul's, let me show you, baby, I'm a talented boy. You know, it's, it's again, it's another Prince, I'm the best, I'm the man kind of track. Uh, his vocal's really dark. There's sort of no reverb and there's not very much treble going on. So this sort of deadpan vocal. I don't have a lot more to say about it. In terms of the album, I, I normally skip it in terms of the album, but having said that, I don't mind putting on the, the maxi single with like the five mixes of it and just sort of having that in, on in the background. That's like, it's not something to listen to intently, but it's to have it in the background, the sort of groovy thing chugging along in the background. It's not bad. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Would you have preferred if this wasn't on the album and Horny Pony was, as no. was originally intended? <laughs> No, I think Horny Pony's as fun as Horny Pony is. It's it's more throwaway than this. Player, I don't I don't know why, but I can see you just strutting your stuff on the dance floor to this song, pulling the move oh, for the sexy okay. ladies. All right, take, <laughs> yeah, for sure. take it for away, sure, player. For sure. <laughs>
Uh, I first heard this, first heard the club version, the white label vinyl with the purple scribble texture on Triple J, which that version's a bit different to the version that ended up here. This has a driving beat with the metallic sounding drums, very bombastic with the En Vogue sample loops within that and the deep thick bass and the flute lead line from Eric Leeds is interesting. It's almost medieval in its style. I'm surprised that this got a single release considering its content and the first single at that. Again, the vocals are shared between Tony, Rosie and Prince. It's a nice effect. Prince's rap isn't bad, quite clever in its execution. The James Brown reference is nice. I really like this song because it's funky and dirty and groovalicious and heavy beat and soaring guitar solo. It's a cool track to get your groove on. It also works great when he brings it out live as well. All and too out- infrequent, but yeah. Yeah, that's right. But as soon as that loop starts in a live setting, it's like, whoa, here we go. It's on. I don't know. I disagree. I don't, you know, I've never heard a live version of this where I've been like, wow. Oh, it's the cut, man. At least the loop. At least the beat. Yeah. Yeah, the, sure. the beat. The beat's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And if you've ever heard our greatest Prince songs of all time show, which we did the top 20, this actually came in at number 30. So it's still 30? within the... Yeah. That's much higher than I would have thought, actually. Get off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in fact, out of all the songs on this album, Get Off rated the highest. <laughs> so take that. What was, what, what was second? Money Don't Matter Tonight. Also a single. Third. And how, how different of a song as well, but yeah. Diamonds and Pearls was third. And fourth. Cream. Cream, yep. All so, singles. There you go. And, that, and you'll never guess what's last. You'll never guess, Captain. Probably my favourite song. <laughs> it is. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, yeah, get, get off. You guys covered, by and large, everything there is to say, I think. For me, the only thing I could add is it's a strange mix of live and programmed drum parts. I actually find it a bit disjointed and a little bit brash to listen to musically. But it is a massive song. I mean, it's got that killer flute part, a killer riff, a fat bass. It's pretty ridiculous funk when you think about it. And I like that. I like audacious funk songs, not just, you know, oh, it's too funky in here. And all. I mean, you know, James Brown is cool, but James Brown, all, all James Brown ever did was James Brown. You know what I'm talking about? So this is like, he's taking so many other influences and it's a bit of a hodgepodge, but I'd rather Prince take risks like this than, than just put up a, a straight um, this funk song, a la the work part one or something. So This song's more of a Parliament Funkadelic funk than a James Brown funk, though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's that slow, you know, the big bass. It's it's not a James Brown sort of funk at all. Yeah. But but then you've got the James Brown reference in there anyway. Ex- exactly. But that, yeah, you're that, right. That, the, that, the... Break, that break part where he comes in, that's, that's where the only part of it, but yeah, the, the remainder mm. of it is what a George, yeah. That's... George, George should have guessed on this song. This has never really been one of my favorite songs, though. And for anyone who's listened to our review of the Symbol album, you'll you'll hear me skip this song when I compile my Diamonds, Pearls, and Symbols album compilation or set list. Get off, just it does come across a little bit trite, and I I never kind of I'm never in the mood to pick this out of even this era, less so his entire discography and play it play it loud or anything like that but when this comes on you just want to get nasty to this and i could imagine the sweltering clubs of 1991 just playing this absolute club banger and Mm. people getting down and down dirty and funky to this track so you know yeah i can see the positive aspect of it it's never been one of my favorites though and i think that's about that about does it i was about to say let's go into the most skippable track but (laughs) i think i was um i was getting ahead of myself there (laughs) no no you were you were spot on I just want to use this as a bit of a segue to go into the next track, track number eight on this album. 
from the song that we've just described to a song that could probably not be any different. It's almost like a polar opposite. We go into track number eight, Walk, Don't Walk. Don't talk if it's against the rules. Just walk away and be a fool. That's what they want you to do. Recently covered by Robert Randolph and the Family Band on their most uh, on their latest what? album, both studio and live. Good version. Cover, Check it out. Who would cover this, listeners? Well, I just said who they <laughs> Robert Randolph and the Family Band. Um, <laughs> for what purpose on earth? For entertainment oh. value. I- I'll leave my review for a little bit. Um, are there any fans in the house? Yeah, I'll take it. All right, Tojen. <laughs> All right. Only just recently did this song kind of really hit me. I, again, it's another one on this album that I kind of slept on for ages and ages. I think it's the starfish and coffee equivalent of this album, in, in that it's this little quirky little thing that doesn't sound like anything else. It's very unique, the complete opposite to the word generic. It's a really hit. It's a real hidden gem. It's, it starts simple. It's got this little kitty keyboard line, very Sesame Street kind of vibe. Lots of acoustic guitar, and I just like the message behind it. You know, it's like just following, you know, sticking with your vision and, and not caring what anyone else says. Uh, it's a sort of it's a march song, isn't it? Really, it's a I don't want to say protest song, but it's you know it's that march chant walking down the street, and uh, I love that whole idea of just walking in the opposite direction to all the traffic, and everyone's beeping him, and they're just like sha la 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 la, we don't care. Uh, really cool. The bass all the way through the song, I'm pretty sure is just him doing a vocal, uh, which is really cool. And I love the bit at, at 106. There's just like this sort of second of silence, and then bang, we're straight into the the chorus. I'd get you call, I guess you'd call it. So it's really a little small little oddity, but really uplifting again and really positive. And uh, it's, it sounds like there's Tevin Campbell on there. Am I right there? It's Elisa Fiorillo. That's ah, Elisa. That's right. Or Elisa um, Fiorillo D's. Yeah, it's, it sounds like Tevin Campbell. I always imagine Tevin Campbell, you know, in his graffiti bridge suit going, <laughs> uh, we just walk in. <laughs> Um, can, we, can we talk and walk? Yeah, I, I love the I love the horns. I, lo- I love the um the, the actual car horns. <laughs> that last one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like a very visual song. You really see the picture in your head. Oh, all I do anyway. So what a really cool song. Now, player, we uh, we talked about you strutting your stuff and getting down on the dance floor. Now I'm going to ask you: Do you want to do your walk when you listen to this? Mm, not really. I mean, I like the song, but the thing is, it's, there's so many like big hits on this album that this really flies under the radar. It gets overshadowed by everything else. And when I think of this album, I don't think of this song. When I listen to it, it's nice. You know, it's got the sha-la-la, sha-na-na-na-na's and the, the car horns. But they're the only two things that stand out for the, that I can remember of the song. <laughs> it's, that's memorable. But I think it's a good song, but it's just it's just not something that I think of or go back to. And in fact, like if you look on like forums online and stuff, like people you know discuss songs and stuff. This never comes up. This song ever. That's right. It's a hidden gem. Hidden gem. It's, Even among Prince okay. fans. Like it, it may be a hidden gem, but it's, it is definitely hidden gem. Um, you know, I guess at the gem. Place, that's but, debatable. <laughs> yeah, but it's. I mean, it is. I, I like it. I think it's good, but I don't rush to go and play it or. You know, it doesn't come to mind when I think of this album. And I can understand that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not that different from Strollin, really, in tempo and in execution. Even in sound, I think. Fairly similar songs. I think it's, like I said, that there's other bigger songs on this album that really overshadow it. Yeah. It's not the actual song itself that's the problem. It's the other songs just a, a very sort of more in your face. Yeah, you, you could be right. I, for one, surprise, surprise, absolutely love this track. <laughs> there's nothing not to love in this. Uh, 
from the congas to the tambourine to the synths to the reverb on the drums to Prince and again lovely Rosie on vocals I love the guitar strumming in the song the creative use of the horns toe jam I definitely had that in my notes it's just I wouldn't go as far as to say innovative but very creative and playful use of the horn horn bits in this track and weird wobbly bass all throughout this this song and and it's I think it's a mix of bass synths synth pads and prince's voice as well uh, i think it's prince singing in his lower register anyway and beautiful harmonies all throughout the track this is really um sassy and it's kind of it's given that urban edge because of the the car horns that, that i mentioned earlier and the lyrics i i'm a big fan of these lyrics they're creative again just like the, the music some of the musical elements in this i think the lyrics are, are creative overall some examples and there's some depth to these lyrics as well, which is why I like them so much. You know, he's he's asking questions and then and it's for the listener to answer, but he's also answering some of them himself. You know, I'm going to add a little bit to his lyrics here just to make the point. He's basically saying, you know, should you walk on, on the side of on their side of the street instead of walking where you feel is the best? Should you walk away from people you meet and don't talk to strangers unless they walk the way that you want them to you know a bit of a play on words and he's kind of flipping it all around again he's asking interesting questions about i think himself us each other or all of us i think we're all included in this song and again maybe a little bit of a um commentary early commentary on his relationship with warner brothers potentially from my point of view but i like some of these other ones like don't walk if it's don't talk if it's against the rules just walk away and be a fool question mark that's what they want you to do so instead he flips it around and he says walk like you're gonna make it don't walk like you just can't take it go on walk on any side you like don't walk wherever they tell you to etc etc and again this is similar to willing and able in that it's just it really brings the spirit up and and that's why i really really love this song and i can't believe i can imagine you know what would be really cool and i mean this in all seriousness can you imagine if if when this song came out if he did a guest spot on Sesame Street with like all the Muppets like reenacting the, the song, I reckon that'd be really cool. <laughs> Seriously, that would have be you been cool. drinking Captain's Kool Aid now? <laughs> no, that would be cool. Like imagine like a Sesame Street thing doing Walk Don't Walk. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and all the Muppets it'd like work. running around going crazy, and you got Elmo as the crossing guard or something. So yeah, that. But I, you know what? I had I had another thought. You know how you've said before, MC, about you know the more Prince or any artist does a song live, it sort of becomes in the psyche. He's never done this song live, has he? Don't think so. Maybe, and maybe that's why it's more of a sleeper. It's not just an album sleeper. It's a sleeper in general. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't recall him ever performing this. You know what, Captain? What? It's your go. Walk, don't walk. Walk, don't walk. Okay, then. Just don't know about this track. It's never performed live as far as I know. It's, it's definitely an album track. Uh, we've got Rosie here, you've got Lisa Fiorillo on the background vocals. The weird thing is Levi is credited for the bass on this track, but I don't actually really hear any bass. Like Tojem said, you just hear Prince like doing those low notes like he did in Thunder. Maybe it's Levi doing that, maybe that's why he's credited, I don't know. But I don't hear any actual bass guitar on this track. But I have to say, I think this is the most skippable track on this album. I can't believe MC, you'd love it so much, it's crazy. On what otherwise is a pretty strong album, it doesn't stack up next to the others, that's for sure. The horn, the car horn, little orchestra thing, it's, you know, something different. And it's, it's also got like, sounds like, like a didgeridoo underneath that. If you listen on the headphones, you can hear the car horns, but then right underneath that, there's like this, this all the way along. It's weird stuff. You've got some acoustic guitar in there, and the thing is, you've got the... The chorus of this, 
is taken from Rebirth of the Flesh, which was officially uh. released by MPG Music Club as a rehearsal, I think it was. But it's lifted straight from that, that la li la li la that's straight from Rebirth of the Flesh, the chorus as well. So it's, again, it's all these little things you just pick up. It's crazy. But yeah, skip skip this and like Strollin, two weakest tracks on the album. It's a tie as far as I'm concerned. I, I can't believe you're saying that, but I, at the same time, I can believe it. <laughs> Because you know what I'm going to say about the next song? Because of your recent history? Yeah, but I'm not going to, I'm not no. going to let you say anything about the next song because we're going to go to Player to open this up. I just want to get a bit of contrast going in the room. Um, <laughs> the, the next song is called Jughead. You catch me dead, or you catch me doing anything but the Jughead. OMJ, a real misstep. Oh, this how has dare got to, you? This has got to go. You? This has got to go off this album, out of the discography, get it away. I mean, the first 15 seconds is interesting, and then what? It has that really funky housequake, undertone bass, floorboard sound. The instrumental track is filthy funky, but this is everything else is just wiggity-wiggity-whack again. It's just <laughs> get, get stupid. It is stupid. Why or why did he ever put this out? And with that, player, <laughs> what are your thoughts? Classic. Ah, yeah. This is new new dance commercial take two. I've I've said this before about this song. It's like if you take all the rap and all that out of it, and all the vocals and lyrics, it's like the actual music part of it is pretty good, and it's that's the best part of it. Like I think where this rates low is, and especially amongst Prince fans, like Prince fans don't, you know, it's it's constantly the one they go to. It's always Jughead. And I, I question like w- what it's doing on here and what it's what it serves. I mean, I know at the end part it's got the part where he's talking about the the manager and and all that, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, I, I don't have a lot to say about this song because it's like the music part is great. Like I'll give it that. And if it was an instrument, it'll be a whole lot better. But otherwise, yeah, it's there's nothing here. <laughs> okay, I really I, I'm struggling to go to. I'm really struggling to go to Captain on this now. Maybe Toe I Jam. should go last. I'll go, I'll go Toe, last. Toe Jam, can you give us just a short review? <laughs> uh, I pretty much agree with everything that player said. I think the music is really funky, actually, if you take out all the vocals. you got that housequake thing going on in the background. I like the hits in the verse. You know, it's like one hit, then it's two hits, three hits, four hits. So it's kind of building up like a like a time bomb kind That's of thing. That's great. My favorite bit of the song musically is that little synthies line towards the end. That's really funky. But again, it's it reminds me of arrogance. Uh, we're talking about the symbol album. It's just completely ruined by stupid lyrics. Yes, they're getting stupid. That's what they're doing. And uh, you know, it'd be so much better in this song. You know, at the end, how they have that little conversation about their contracts and everything. And you know, you hear the the slap. If you imagine in your head that it's actually the manager slapping Tony M, suddenly the song sounds like sounds a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Something else, Prince has this little rap, and I like the way that in the uh, in, in the live concert that that was his time of changing his clothes, and he would do the rap from the back, from behind the stage. That that was pretty yeah, cool. But yeah. it's just completely ruined by the rap, basically. I'll leave it there. The moment. But I think that's the purpose of this song. It was it was designed to be the filler for the band to perform while he got, he did the costume change. Yeah. So was it necessary to put it on the album? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, it probably yeah, would have worked true. well just as like a little segue on the concert, but not necessary on the yeah. album. The moment we've all been dreading. Captain's hyped up <laughs> on the juice. He's been looking forward to it. Take it away. And I say that with plenty of hesitation in my voice, Captain. This is 
my favourite track on this album. But <laughs> I'm not going to say it's oh. the best track on the album. It's far from it. But it's my favourite. And that's, that's the difference. Uh, You're just, just saying a, this to be difficult, aren't you? Just to no, be popular. I have One of the so much here to say. He's, he's trying to be controversial. I don't have to try. It's just a fun track, and I love it when this song comes on. It's just the, the comic relief of the album. It's great. We all know Prince has got this weird sense of humor. It's this song. The fact that he even put it on the album, that says it all right there. I love the start of this song. I'm going to go through like every single second of this song. It starts off with Rosie singing something, and then this, this weird sound, someone says something in the background, and Tony, what the hell was that? I remember walking around school saying that for like at least six months. Just every time anyone said anything, I'm like, what the hell was that? I just said it all the time. And, uh, the hell and, yeah, and then um, player said it's new dance commercial take two. Horny Pony is dance commercial take one, which was going to be on this album. So you would have had both of them on the same album, new dance commercials, one and two on the same album. But that didn't happen because just like um, I Want to Melt With You, he booted something off for his latest new cool song. <laughs> Which annoys me. I would rather Horny Pony be on this album. Anyway, this song, it's got this mean groove. Like Player said, it's similar to Arrogance in that way. Is The music is just, it's just mental. If you could hear an instrumental version of it, it'd kill you. You'd, you'd just die. Like the groove that kicks in at 53 seconds and then again at 144, it's just, it's crazy. I like the bit in the chorus. Someone mentioned it's like Housequake and it's just Prince going bop, 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 bop in, in the background. It's just classic. Getting busy, G, kicking the jughead. Ha ha! It's the best song. And you got the get stupid, get stupid. I remember walking around saying that for months as well. Prince's rap is cool. Okay, here's the thing. There's this bit where um, what I see as a, a, a thinly veiled dig at Miko, who had only recently departed the band, is oh, there's that bit where he's like, check him out, man, check him out. And then you hear someone go, is that Miko? And then you hear this like really stoned sounding guy going, yeah, man. That's funny. That is really funny. Now, I could be wrong. I could just imagine the whole thing, but that's what I hear. Anyone else even hear that? I don't think I've ever listened to it that in depth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen to that, because that's interesting. But the funkiest part in this track, I think Toe Jam said it as well. It's, about, it's only about 10 seconds long. It's when that funky like keyboard comes in right after the guitar solo and the MPLS chants at 4.05. It's just... Bup, 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 and it's excellent. It's the, best, it's the best bit in the whole song. Funkiest part in the whole song. And then you've got these guys in the back going... Get it's just so cool. And there's this funky keyboard bit, probably Purple Axe. It's just so good. I want to hear the full version of this. It fades out. You know, when Tony M has the manager conversation, I know I might be the only person on earth who wants to hear the full unedited version of Jughead, but I do. I want to hear it. Who knows what went on? Because it goes along the whole section where they're talking. And I can hear bits of it, but it's so annoying that I can't hear it like in full. I want to hear that. But I still have more. I know Tony M has his share of haters, but look at it this way. Prince hired him. He did what he was supposed to do. Prince didn't go out and get the best rapper because that would just make his random attempts at rap look even worse. So we got Tony M. He did his job. He did an adequate job. Now, I'll admit he's far from a great rapper, but it is what it is. And everyone hating him is not fair. He's Tony M. <laughs> I love Tony M. He was just doing his job. And no matter what you think of his, <clears throat> oh, I don't know what you call it, interjections, uh, insertions into Prince's music. Prince was happy Insertion? with it. What? <laughs> Maybe that's not the best word. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, interjection. I don't know. Prince was happy with him for like at least three years. If he wasn't happy with him, he would have he would have dumped him way earlier. So Prince was happy with what he brought to the band, so just accept it. But that's all I've got to say. I told you I'd love to all? say about this song. That's all you have to say? Come on. you got to be kidding. 
Now with that skippable, most skippable song. Come on, where's your review, MC? We oh, go into man. no. I did. I started it before I went to you. That was basically all I've got to say. I'm I'm much more excited about what we're about to talk about, and I think I, I don't know. I just have this slight in- inkling that maybe maybe I'm not the only one. Of course, I'm talking about track number ten. But before I say what it's, you know, the 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 name of the song. This song and player, you will will have the stats for us. Scored from memory surprisingly high on our greatest Prince songs of all time poll, didn't it? Uh, overall, it was number 65. Yeah, okay. So, in a poll of somewhere between 450 and 500 songs, Money Don't Matter Tonight. Money don't matter tonight. It sure didn't matter yesterday. Track number 10 on this album scored 65th greatest Prince song of all time. I really think that's something. And with that, let's let's talk a little bit about this this track. Toe Jam, what, what do you think about this? And uh, give us your dissection of this of this track. I really love this song. I think it's probably my favourite, maybe tied with Diamonds and Pearls uh, as my favourite song on this album. I just think it's a very interesting song. There's sort of like four chords in the whole song. C minor, D flat major, E flat minor, D flat major again. So it's just this like, uh, it's still really three chords that sort of rotate around them in a circle. And they're just kind of repetitive and, and a bit bland, but that is precisely what the song is about. It's, it's like kind of being stuck in a rut. I think his lyrics are actually really interesting in this song as well. The whole idea of, you know, money don't matter tonight, like that kind of sentiment, sometimes it's portrayed as a good thing. In that, like, you know, yeah, you don't need to worry about money, man. But in other times, it's it's kind of the opposite of that as well. Sometimes it's bad to just throw your thoughts away like that. I think the background vocals in this are just amazing. Really colorful, really emotive. Like the fly, fly, fly bit, you know, and he's like, fly, fly, fly. Really on point. Some interesting lyrics I've got here. Obviously, there's some Iraq War references. Uh, so what if we're controlling all the oil? Uh, you know, and obviously, uh, anything is better than the picture of a child in a cloud of gas. Pretty deep stuff. Uh, but I think my favorite lyric is, uh, if long life is all we live for, long life will come to pass. Uh, and that's that's really kind of a deep lyric, I think. Because I think a lot of people are out there like that a bit. Just like, we all want to live for as long as we can, but at the same time, are, are we missing out on uh, by trying to live in this sort of nanny state protective I don't know, I'm getting too deep philosophical now. But do you know what I mean? No, keep going, keep going. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like sometimes, you know, it's worth taking the risk, this kind of thing, that kind of idea. And again, I think the whole, like, and you think you've got it bad, you know, putting things in perspective. So again, like, uh, you know, we, we might be worried about our little problems, having our little money problems in our Western society. But hey, there's a war going on and, you know, children are dying and clouds of gas and, and we think we've got it bad. Come on. That's like just First putting these questions problems. out there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think there's really a definitive message behind it, but it's, it's, and it's kind of like Sign of the Times in that respect, in that he's just kind of putting these thoughts out there and, and letting them find, find a listener. It's like just running things, questions and concerns in his head that he had at the time. And I think musically, it's really good as well. Nice band performance. And again, I like the way it just sort of sits and it's, it builds nicely, but it doesn't go over the top. It doesn't have this big crazy guitar solo or anything like that. It's just, it's what it is. It's this nice little, it's a thought. Like the whole song is a thought. Yeah, really great song. A very interesting listen. When you say, you know, there's nothing specific like behind it, I think that's what makes it a better song. Yeah, well, there's like, there's specific references. You, in, but in some songs, when he tries to be specific, it shows that he doesn't know that much about some things. But when he keeps it sort of general and non-specific, vague, then, you know, yeah. people, people can interpret whatever they want. And he sort of looks like he knows what he's talking about. I think that, that helps. 
Like the cross. The cross is nothing that specific, and everyone can take whatever they want from that song. Mm. But then you've got, you know, like stuff on the Rainbow Children. It's so specific mm. that a lot of people are like, well, no, thanks. But keep it, you know, keep it general, and people take what they want. Yeah, and he's got that other interesting one about, you know, snakes in every corner, every nationality and size. Like, again, like it's almost like he's looking out at the world and, and sort of seeing the bad side of the world sometimes, which uh, is always an interest- intriguing perspective. He took the words right out of my mouth <laughs> and out of my review, even though I haven't said it yet. I'll add a f- couple of things if you guys don't mind. Um, I'm going to keep this relatively short, only because I haven't got many notes. This is one of those thing, one of those songs that I couldn't come up with much to to write about or to describe it. Really, um, it was more of a feeling and an emotion that I get every time this song comes on. I truly believe this is one of Prince's greatest compositions. Again, that word "standard" comes into my head. I think it is a... You can't call every song a standard. Well, you know, the, the funny like the thing is... the third one on this album. I know, and that's the thing. In, 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 in 90, around the 91, 92 era, I think he was writing some of his best work ever. Yeah, I think this is another one of those examples. And it is a bit of a sleeper, but if you give it the time of day or the time of night, pardon the pun, I think it'll really open up and speak uh- to you. There's a, there's a lot of great lyrical content here. I mean, all round... You're better off making sure your soul's all right. That lyric, that line again. Yep, that's the one. You know that we could do a podcast about that line. No, no pod- thanks. We can, <laughs> um, but we 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 really could. Um, I'll be sick that night. Talk about that um, without Captain's <laughs> uh, contributions. Just about that line, and and again, Toe Jam's um, referencing long, the, the line "Long life will come, shall come to pass, or will come to pass." Another brilliant one. You think you got it bad? Another brilliant one. You know. Every line, virtually every line in this song is great. How devastating is the opening? This, it's got to be one of the best lyrical openings to a Prince song, generally to any song that I can think of. One more card and it's 22. Unlucky for him again. He never had the respect for money. It's true. That's why he never wins. And it goes on. And brilliant songwriting. What a storyteller this guy is when he, when he puts that hat on, you know? That's, that's exactly the thing. Like, you know, he never had respect for money. So it's saying it's a good thing to have respect for money. But then at other times, it's like, no, no, you don't need to worry about money. That's what's really interesting about it. Yeah. And, and it, it's, you're right. It's contradictory in that way. But then again, by the end of it, it all makes sense. But I love that it's unresolved. Like what you just said, Tojam, to me, it's like it's so it's open ended and open to interpretation. And it's a great song because it's it can strike up a conversation. You know, I think just slightly off what we're talking about now, art in general, I find that a picture or or uh, something visual or, or even music. Painting. Yeah, painting or, or even something musical and oral, whatever the art form is. Some of the most impressive art, and I think some of the best art ever made, is the type of art that gets people talking. It gets people emotional and and really has an impact emotionally. And this really does. And even though it's kind of that eerie, minor key, kind of melancholic song to a degree, it makes you think it's really deep. It's one of the best things he's ever done. And it's absolutely brilliant. Player? Uh, I agree um, with what you guys have said. Um, especially like the way this song is m- more like an art form m- more than anything. It's kind of jazzy. It's pop. It's really sort of mellow. And it has a really nice um, storyline to it. There's two videos. One's more performance-based. One's more story-based. And it's sort of, I don't know which one I prefer better, but the, the story-based one's kind of, you know, gives the song a bit more impact and sort of tells, you know, how the story is with the struggling family. But yeah, it is another one that's sort of quiet on the album. Like, it, it sort of flies out on the radar a little bit, but it's um, 
it's got a powerful message to make it sort of stand out more than say Walk Don't Walk. It's a nice song. I like it. All right. Uh, and Captain. MC, you yeah. said unresolved. And I thought, just like the end of this song, that last chord that it ends on, it just hangs there. You know what? You're right. And it doesn't resolve. <laughs> this was the out, yeah. interesting observation, yeah. Actually, further to that, what about the video? Right at the end, there's the question mark. Actually, you're right, too. <laughs> that was yeah. going to Money Don't Matter Tonight, part two. Mysterious. If you're talking uh, about things that are unresolved, then you've got the question mark at the end. Kind of like posing yeah, the question. Yeah, that's it. More links. This, this was the fifth and I think last single from the album. I think this was the one that was a hologram CD single. Yeah, along with great. Along with Diamonds and Pearls, and I think there was another one. Oh, it was a nice-looking CD, but I've never really liked this song that much. I'm not sure why. It might be the minor key or the tempo, the lazy... I'm so bored. Vocal delivery again. There's just there's no energy in this song for me, and I don't I don't get anything out of it. I mean, even Prince feels this way. Like sometimes a few times live, he starts playing it, and he gets through the like the first line, and he's like, oh, I've had enough of that. Is it, it's on the um on the live of the Aladdin DVD. Doesn't he play it for Aladdin. like? Yeah, yeah, and it's a board. Not even a minute. I think this is a studio song. You know, it's. I yeah, don't know that it, it works very well. In live, live yeah, it's not live. It doesn't have the energy. You know, everyone would fall asleep if he played it live. Maybe that's why he stopped it. He saw everyone just go, "Oh god," <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, let's not do that." Who else hears the distortion on the lead vocal? Uh, when he sings, um, and you think you got it bad at around 3.30, you listen to that on headphones, there's distortion on that vocal. That's in the red. That's, that's, that's up yeah, there. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> that's and, in the um, red. <laughs> it is. It's like hitting hard in the red. Uh, but again, that could have been like a you know, sign of the times, you know, engineer or Prince stuffed it up, but he's like, oh, it sounds okay, I'll leave it in. So that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, like, not a big fan. He's kind of like stress. He's stressing the point by that time. He, like he's he's saying, like you think you got it bad. Like he's trying to like stress that point. So I think it works in that regard. Oh yeah, I can get that. But yeah, I'm not a big fan. I think Toejam said the word bland, and yeah, it's just bland to me. It's not not like the drummer. Just this song is. But that's the point. I think that's the point of the song. Ah, you're missing it. But it seems so. I don't know. To me, it seems so boring that I don't even even want to listen to it. But the point is, he wants you to listen to it. So make it catch my attention. Don't just make it boring. Uh, I think it's a very mature effort. It's a very mature song. Okay, yeah. so that's all I've got to say about Money Don't Matter Tonight. Um, this song doesn't matter tonight or any other night. Thank you. Oh, come on. Come on. Don't be like that. <laughs> uh, we, all know you're jo- we all know you're joking anyway. You can't take you seriously. Can't take it. Can't take any of us seriously, really. When you think about some of the things we've said on this show, but with that, we go into track number eleven. Push. And again, NPG are back in mass attack. I want to push a pony. <laughs> and a bit of uh, Claire Fisher. I mean, this track is undeserving of Claire Fisher strings. I'll leave that there for a second. Um, Toe Jam. I think, because I know you don't like this track, I think you need to rediscover this one because of all the sort of, you know, NPG, up-tempo, dance, hip-hop tracks, I think this is probably one of my favourite ones. It's not stellar by any chance. but I think it's. it's <laughs> I think it's good. Stella, Again, it's Stella's another, a good word for this. It's another, it's probably, what, the third song on the album that's really sort of pushing the positivity. You know, you've got to push to higher mm. ground. Really, you know, uplifting chorus idea. It's very thick, lots of samples and drums and percussion and scratches and Claire Fisher all over the place. I don't know if Claire Fisher actually wrote for this or, or whether it was sampled from something else, but either way, it sounds really good. I like the way Rosie and Prince sing 
the verses. So it's sometimes Rosie singing like the low voice and Prince singing the high voice. So it's kind of, you don't know who's singing which part. And then later on, they alternate. So it's like, again, it's like this kind of Rosie and Prince become one vocalist in a sense. I like the saxophone arpeggio turnaround at the end of each chorus. Dun, 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 dun. I like the lyric about, you know, the cartridge you was playing don't fit in your video game. Really, that just solidifies the era. That's 1991 to a T. You know, you've got the Game Boys. And, uh, you know, you remember in Graffiti Bridge where I think it's Jimmy Jam playing the Game Boy or something. Huh. It's just the screams of that era. What else have I got? Then you've got the rap section at the end. Uh, you've got, you know, Tony M. Get on the mic. Get on the mic. Yeah. Tony comes in. He's full of confidence. He's going to push up on it and all this sort of stuff. And then Rosie. <laughs> oh, Rosie, get on the mic. Get on the mic. And, uh, you know, she's doing it. Yeah, they call me Rosie G and I just don't care. And it's like, yeah, it's all up there. And then, hey, Prince, Prince, get on the mic. And he just says, uh, you don't want me on the mic. <laughs> I think that's hilarious, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the complete opposite of what you expect. Damn right, we don't want you on the mic. You <laughs> but then he comes in, advice. and then he comes in with the cheesiest rap of all time. Of, you know, it's the Diamonds and Pearls rap, sort of name checking all the songs, and from Pakistan to Poland, uh, <laughs> crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So I reckon you got to revisit this one because I think um, don't take it too seriously. Like this is a, an uplifting song, and you know, even that Claire Fisher sample does that. Da, 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 da. You know, it's all about bringing everything up to higher ground. Good stuff. There we go. <laughs> One one thing that I, I can't stand is in, in in the chorus, you know, you got push, push, and then in the background you keep hearing Tony M going, I push, I push. Yeah. Uh, we don't need that. We get the idea, Tony. I, I hear you, but I don't hear I don't hear much. You don't feel him. Yeah. You I hear him, but you don't feel him. <laughs> something like that. There's some whack lyrics. Uh, the cartridge video game is, is wiggity whack. And um, just a beat, really. Man, Terrible you gotta, rapping. you got to stop saying wiggity whack. I know. It's, it's getting a bit <laughs> annoying, even to me. His falsetto sounds like a chipmunk or some sort of castrated squirrel. It's terrible. Uh, it's uh, terrible. Um, uh, I've got nothing else to say about this. Captain Push, oh, let's go. are you a fan? Yeah. What do you think? Oh, oh, here I, we go. Of course I am. Strap yourselves in, guys. Stra- play yourself you in. Who are you talking to? Because you, you're going to fa- have oh, to finish oh, this oh, review, so, so pay attention to what he says. Alright. Right. <laughs> of course I like this song. Okay, this song, you got Claire Fisher, even though I don't think he's credited, but it's so obviously his orchestrations used all over this track. And for me, they fit so well. They fit in, they in perfectly fit. with this song. Maybe I've just heard them so much, I couldn't imagine, you know, without them, but they fit perfectly in there for me. I suppose without that orchestration, it'd still be a funky track, but adding that in, you know, that makes it a Prince song, you know? He's just doing his thing, and you just know what it is as soon as you're going to listen to it. I, I don't know what else to say about this song. I love this song. It's similar to Daddy Pop in a, in a lot of ways, so I think it's a good idea that he put them at opposite ends of the album. I have no idea what it's about. It's I suppose Tojam said there's some positivity lyrics in there, but I don't know what it's about. I really like the bit at the end where everyone does a rap. That's like the best part of the song. That's better than the first part. Tony M does a rap, Rosie does a rap, Prince does a rap, and of course when Prince does his rap, when he says, it's thunder, there's a big massive boom of thunder, of course. Because <laughs> nobody knows what thunder sounds like. Oh, I love the end, when everyone does the rap. It's great. That's all I can say. I love this song. And uh, player, round out our thoughts with your thoughts of Push. Uh, push is kind of interesting. It's positive lyrically. The musical element that impresses me the most is the... um. The orchestra sample inserted in the song, and it fits. It sounds like the Claire Fisher strings from Crystal Ball sampled into the track to my ears. But apart from that, it's a bit of a mishmash of sounds, maybe a bit too ambitious It's in its execution, trying to be too many things at once. But orally, it's a, it's a bit cluttered for my, you know, for the headspace. 
but yeah, it's it's a it's a fun song. I think that's the whole point of it. And in that regard, I think he succeeds on that front. So it's a cool little tune, but one I can either take or leave. Um, it's a strange song. It's got like you know orchestra elements and hip hop and a bit of dance and funk and like it's got everything in there. And that's why I say mishmash. So I don't know what he was trying to go for, but I love the ambition of it though. Like like oh, you're yeah. saying, it's got everything in there. So I love the yeah. ambition aspect of it. It's the ambition, but like you know, does it really come off at the end of it? That's a big question mark for me. You know, it's not something that I would go and rush and put on all the time. So yeah, I think it's kind of dated for that. You know, it's kind of like it's got that sort of early '90s sound about it. I wonder why. Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> it was recorded then, but do you know what I mean? It's not something that I would really go back to. That's, yeah, when it's on, I listen to it, That's but that's it. All right. And with that, we go into track number 12, which is called Insatiable. And uh, I really wonder, after Player's thoughts on the song Push, what he thinks of Insatiable. So we're going to go to you, back to you again. (laughs) Oh, man. Just to see if there's a bit of contrast in your review here or not. Oh, yeah. I just don't understand how you have two masterpieces on the one album. The Anthony Mosley masterpiece that is Jughead. And then at the (laughs) other end of the spectrum, you have this. This is just musical perfection, lyrical perfection. Just, ah, I can't even put into words, which is funny because when I first got this album, I didn't really care for the song either way, but over time, it's really grown on me. I love Prince's vocal delivery. It's just on point. The lyrics are seductive and pure sex and sultry. The videotaping concept is fantastic. The temper of the song is just right. It doesn't meander. It doesn't slow down or waver on. It's like a metronome. It's really hypnotic. This is the song to get your groove on. And this song has a lot of special meaning to me. Also, just things like, kind of like the musical elements, like the bass at the start being sort of out of tune and stuff, that's a really cool element. But um, it's just a really, really well-executed song. Definitely the highlight for me on the whole album. Okay, cool. Captain, what are your particular thoughts on Insatiable? Insatiable. This was the third single of the album. Oh, it's released the same day as the single for Cream. So, there you go. One-man band, this one, as far as I know. This is definitely up there with his best ballads. I'll say this is probably one of his last great ballads. There's been a couple since then, but up on this level, I think this was one of the last ones. And you've got that synth bass sound, and it sounds like the same or very similar to the one. It's of some song on Love Sexy. I can't remember which one now. What song's got that synth bass on Love Sexy? When two are in love. That's the one it sounds like, isn't it? Yeah, I had it in my notes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, and there's sort of slowly, they're going wave left to right in your headphones. Uh, but I have to say, I think Martha is one of the unsexiest names I could ever think of. Martha? <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> it's, about? It's, Martha is your grandmother's name. It's not it's Martha. Not, it's not a name to put in this sexy song. It's not, he doesn't say Martha, it's Mother. Oh, get out, it's in the bloody lyrics. Yeah, it's, I think it's in Martha. the book. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, Martha. I've got a theory about that as well. Could be completely wrong. But you know at the beginning where he sings Martha, Martha. I think he might actually be singing like Maite, saying Maite. I don't know. 
I don't know if they had met each other at that point. That's a very big conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> but what about any other name? What about Misty or Kenny or anything but Martha? I just don't know what he's trying to say by using such an old-fashioned name. It's just weird. It's the unsexiest possibly ever think of. Apart from that, um, apart from maybe Diamonds and Pearls, this is really the only ballad on the album, so it had to be a good one. And we apologise to all the listeners out there that have the name Martha. We think yeah, if your name if your name is Martha or your mother is Martha, um, <laughs> don't, be, don't be angry at me. Well, actually, you should be happy that I don't find your mother attractive or sexy. So I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't it be the other way around? No, no. If they knew me, they wouldn't want me anything to do with their mother. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. I'm going to shut up before I get in more trouble and I'll stop talking now. Okay. Not Martha Stewart, maybe? No. Oh, see, again, another perfect example of how unsexy that name can be. That's very sexy. Martha Stewart. Oh, well, maybe if you think of Martha Stewart, you know, in a prison uniform, you know, whatever you want to do. But I don't yeah. find that attractive. <laughs> Next. I still think it's mother anyway, but that maybe it's in me. the lyrics. Yeah, but isn't did, I remember someone someone somewhere saying to me about the name Martha that it's an old biblical term that ref, that relates to mothers. Another conspiracy theory. Another conspiracy theory. I don't think he thought that much into the name. Uh, you never know. Princess <laughs> joined ex- the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the ring. He's got the ring. The third eye. <laughs> the third eye. The pyramid. Moving on. See, you just expanded on it on the next album, you sexy mother. If you look really closely <laughs> on the sexy Martha. on the US hundred dollar bill, you can see Prince poking out from behind. You sexy mother, father, gentleman. It's perfect. Fantastic. And with that, Toe Jam, what are your thoughts on Insatiable the song? Alright. This is like the you have you've got um Doomy Baby, Insatiable and Scandalous, and they're like the uh the trilogy of these classic Prince slow 6-8, I guess you'd call them, ballads. And they're amazing, each, each one of them. They're very similar, though. Very similar chord progressions, very similar brooding, building, instrumentation, arrangements, playfulness of the arrangement again. Uh, and this is just as good as any of those other two. Uh, up there as one of his best ballads ever, I think, in this style. Great little piano hook all the way through. That do-do-do, do-do. Really cheesy, romantic, harking back to, like, I don't know, some earlier time of romance. So that's a nice little hook that keeps going all the way through. The beat is is really intricate as well. There's heaps of little pops and little things going on, which we always love about Prince drum machine patterns. So it's really interesting. Lots of little things going on. And there's like a clock sound. And so the song's in six something, six, eight or something. And so you'd expect the accents to be on one and four, which is, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. But the clock sound, the ticking is on one, three and five. So it's kind of, Sort of this uh, polyrhythm thing going on with the ticking clock throughout it. I, I think that's really cool. That that lyric about, you know, I've got a Jones, Martha, that's kind of a, an odd lyric to throw in there. It it's kind of makes you stop and think, whoa, 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 that kind of takes you out of the song for a little bit. So I love his vocals, the way he plays around with the arrangement with his vocals. Like when he sings the, the phrase, um, dirty little cage and crazy, his, his vo- vocal goes a bit crazy there, which is sort of humorous. And, and actually the song itself is is really a big joke it's it's a big humorous song but yeah i guess the, the whole song is kind of this premise of you know no one will ever know and it's kind of like you're this listener listening into something that you're not supposed to listen to again little voyeuristic prince again part of the humor as well at, at i think it's at 249 when he sings um i'll show my and then the horns but and then the, you'll show your but 
you know, kind of hiding words. Ah. Uh, that's a pretty funny moment. I always laugh there. And again, there's this whole metaphor with the camera. You know, you push the little red button. Come on. That's a bit sleazy. Oh, I'd never even thought funny. of I'd never thought of that <laughs> until you just said that. Wow. Oh, I'm okay. sorry for ruining it for you. <laughs> oh, it's not ruined. I just... I'd, okay, move on. <laughs> I never thought of that. And of course, I love the joke at, at the end where he says, you know, it's 2.45. We got all night. And then it builds and builds and builds. And then it's, oh, it's 2.49 and it's, it's over. You know, and you hear this trumpet going... <laughs> that's hilarious to me i I really love the humor of this whole song but then along with that is the musical arrangement and everything so it's brilliant that's almost as funny when he's in concert and he's like i'm gonna play all night and then 20 minutes later he's done (laughs) that's right it's the same thing (laughs) i would be surprised if when he says that that's actually a cue for like the sound guy or something to let them know they're only doing one more song yeah. <laughs> and they go, we'll be here all night. That's when the you know they start they they rev up the um, engines in the back or something to leave. And... Yeah. <laughs> quick, quick, quick! It's time to play Silver's Sylvester's dance, dance, dance disco heat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the cue. That's the cue. <laughs> Where's Shelby J at? <laughs> yeah. So again, it's a brilliant track. One of his best ballads. Amazing, and definitely one of the great songs on the album. All right, all right, all right. You guys pretty much wrapped that up really well. I haven't got too much to add. The only thing I really have is one commentary about the lyrics and then um, just very quickly on the music again. And the lyrics are, Tojo mentioned the word sleazy before. This is a very forward come on, really, to turn the lights off, strike a candle. Even even the line, insatiable's my name when it comes to you. He's really like wearing his urges on his sleeve. It's Jones. Yeah, Jones he's, jo- his he's wearing his Jones on his sleeve. And... <laughs> You know he's he's talking about his what she, what she does to his body and he can't help it and they're going to record a video and no one will ever know and he just might go all night you know he's never going to stop and that classic line even if I wasn't thirsty I would drink every drop we've all been there right yep. and um <laughs> putting my hand up for that so, so so you know it starts off with that and then it's got this really interesting bit that you guys have talked about again, where he says, hey, don't look at the clock. It's 2.45. We got all night and, on, and onwards and so forth. And that part musically becomes really interesting. And it reminds me, even though this, the song I'm about to mention came a few years after this, it reminds me of I Hate You in the way that it, there comes a point where he breaks it down and it becomes really, really about the, like the deep groove with all this, all the swirling synths in the background. And God Prince is good at creating an incredibly sexual atmosphere in the background of a song, but just really filling it out. It's like when you listen to this on headphones in particular, it's like there's so much reverb on, on the snare and stuff. And it sounds like you're in this, in a big room, like a playroom where things are going down. Uh, there ain't no doubt about that. And it just really, really, it, it invokes that mood really, really well. Um, yeah, definitely. And then it gets a little bit cryptic. Like, doesn't my body look good in the shadows? Baby knows what to do. Have you done this before? You say you want my hips up in the air and I don't care and all that kind of stuff. That's just <laughs> up and down just like a seesaw. <laughs> then he comes back to being really, really physical in his imagery. And it's it's a good... You know, there's, there's parts of the song that have this double entendre effect and parts of the song that just have this really four-to-the-floor, let's-get-it-on effect. And then he finishes it off with, you're nastier than I thought. It's just 2.45. <laughs> it's like, you know, when when you turned it on, baby, you know, you are... Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you really turned it on and it, you know, it lasted about 
60 seconds or less. Uh, that's how good you were. It's incredible. It's just sex on a stick, basically. Um, sex in a song, without a doubt. And he goes for it vocally towards the end. And this is my last little commentary is you've all talked about how, how incredible the, the music is from a ballad point of view. But vocally, some of the screams and the yells and the, the notes that he hits toward, towards the end, he's really kind of letting go of all his inhibitions and just going for it. And it's pretty uh, emotive listening and, and it affects you. Uh, I wouldn't be playing this song like in the background at work while I'm just trying to focus on a spreadsheet or something because <laughs> I'd, I'd probably start entering the wrong data into the <laughs> into Microsoft Excel and you know you could imagine your you, you, your hands are slipping all over the keyboard. You, There's got to be a joke in there about spreadsheet. Come on, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know you get it, you'd have to get yourself a big glass of water to drink after this one. Have a cold shower or something. Cause, and even so. if you weren't thirsty, you'd still drink everything. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So a great track, an incredibly smooth and sensual ballad. It doesn't need to be said, but I'll say it anyway. One of the, his best ballads, I think my favorite version that he's ever done was in 2003 during the Aussie tour. My first time seeing Prince and my first time hearing this song when the the 1992 Diamonds and Pearls prop came down on the stage yeah. and he said something like, sit down for a minute, let me sing to you. And it was like, whoa, what's going on here? And, you, and you know, as 16,000 people take to their seats <laughs> and listen to this, you know, slow jam. It was an incredible moment. And uh, yeah, I love this track. Love it. It was great during the Diamonds and Pearls tour when he had Diamond and Pearl. They, there was like a bed that sort of hovered out above the crowd and like there was the three of them on the bed. That was pretty cool. Yeah, so I think, you know, he's. it's hard to, to mess this song up live. It's just a, a really, really solid track. And, and, you know, the fact that it's a one-man band just makes it even more incredible. Uh, so that's it. Insatiable. Track number 13 finishes the album. It is, of course, entitled Live for Love. Running commentary continues with Captain. This song is a monster. This is one of the best songs on this whole album. I like it all. I like all of it. The drums, the mean sounding guitars, the lead vocals. He's really pushing his, which I love out of anything he can do with his vocals. That's the best thing that I like. Uh, the backing vocals are good. This is just an amazing track. And imagine if he pulled out an old track and played it live again. This would be one of them. We've said love sexy with third eye girl. How about live for love? Yeah, that's that's, third that's eye the next. That's the next pick. We'll see. Or even forget it. Even when that's over and he's back to full band, live for love and love sexy. Just play it. I don't care what the band is. Live for but love yeah, sexy. Live for love sexy. That's it. There you go. Mishmash. Interesting thing. You've got that little keyboard bit with where he's saying "Go Tommy, go!" Right? Tommy <laughs> Barbarella's not listed in the credits, so that's. It's only listed as the Paisley Power Trio, Sonny T, Michael B, and Prince. It sounds so, like Tommy B, though. I reckon it's Tommy B. It sounds it like does, it. So it does. It doesn't sound like a Prince solo. It's either an unfortunate omission, or it could, yeah, it could be Prince doing that, but I don't know. I think it's Tommy. It sounds like Tommy to me. It sounds like him, but we'll never know. We'll have to get Tommy. He out there. Come in the show and tell us. The guitar on this is surprising for an album track. Usually live, you know, he'll go crazy with solos, but on the album it can be pretty reserved mm. generally. But that is definitely not the case on this one. He just went, he went to town. 
he first started working on this track way back December 1989. And supposedly this is the earliest recording to feature my favorite, Tony M, doing a rap. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, at Actually, now that you mention that, I think they, they even, um, I don't know if they played it, but they jammed it on the, um, oh, what is it? New Tour. New Tour, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I think they did towards the end. They started... Elements of it, yeah. Bits yeah. of it, yeah. That makes sense. And at 440, you got a bass solo, and then Tony M has his rap debut. It's great. And it's not a bad rap. I reckon it's good. It fits in this song. I like it. Now, I've got to tell you this funny thing. There's this line where in the rap, and it's, listen, G, you are supposed to be striving to be the best that you can be. I remember when I was a teenager, I remember analyzing that line and thinking about it so much, and I'm like, he's got to be talking about Rosie, because it's Rosie G, it's Rosie Gaines. And then I'm like, is she, like, pushy? Is she, like, a pain in the ass? And she's, like, <laughs> she, she's like pushing around everybody in the band, like, trying to be the boss. And this is what I was, this is what I was thinking about. Listen, G, you, uh, it was funny. And so many hours I thought about that one line. I don't know why. You could have but- saved yourself many of those hours by just realizing that he's probably talking about homie G's. I know, but now I know that. But then I didn't have a clue. And then, ah, uh, anyway. Listen, Rosie, you can be the best that you can be. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to dominate and push and shove. Like, she's just... I just thought about that line so much. <laughs> I don't know why I created this, like, fictional... <laughs> Situation. This ain't your album, Rosie. In a few years, we're gonna make Concrete Jungle, and it's gonna be on the charts, <laughs> and it's gonna disappear, and that'll be it. And, oh. and Rosie's like, "My name is Rosie G, and I just don't care." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I just, I don't know why those, those, that two lines just got it got to me for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway, after that, there's a killer guitar solo that just goes on and on and on, which is a great thing to happen on a Prince on a Prince song on a Prince album, and then it's the end of the album. And it's great. Great, great, great. Next. Toe Jam, your thoughts on Live for Love? Uh, yeah, it's a big epic closer, which is always good. Kind of similar to, I don't know, I was going to say Three Chains of Gold, but that's not the closer, is it? But uh, similar to that big, you know, epic rock outro. I love the, well, I don't really like it. I don't love it. I'll start that again. <laughs> I, lo- <laughs> I don't even want to be on the show. <laughs> I like it. I love it. Well, I don't really like it. Well, what are we I'll- doing here anyway? <laughs> let, me, let me explain. The intro where they have the countdown. Uh, and yeah. I like the way it starts before he gets to one, so it sort of surprises you. This massive fill. Massive drum fill is awesome. So it's one of those humorous moments, but again, uh, it gets a bit annoying once you've heard it a few times. Yeah. But it's a nice little funny way to, to start a song. Um, you've got a tambourine that pretty much just runs all the way through the song. Uh, that's always interesting to hear. And there's a little bit of element of controversy in here. The song is essentially an E minor. I think it's E minor. Well, it's something minor. But then that live for love, that's hitting the major third, which is kind of similar to similar thing happens in controversy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. And I, I, I must say, I, I do think it's funny where, you know, he's talking about the angel on his shoulder. And who's the angel? It's Tony M. <laughs> <laughs> the, angel, the angel on my shoulder starts preaching or whatever. And then Tony M's rapping. It's like, whoa, Tony uh, M's the angel on his shoulder. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that, that's a really cool bit. Uh, you know, yeah. the boom, boom life is a boom death. That's a cool bit. And you've got this sort of, you know, it's obviously this dialogue of this. It's a really cool idea for a story, uh, for a song. This sort of dialogue of someone, you know, obviously on a plane about to drop a bomb and he's, he's running his thoughts through his head. Should I be doing this? What should I have done? He's running his whole life. I think that's a really interesting idea for a song. And you've got this kind of 
again, this happens in a few songs like America. There was what was the last album we did? There was something in Love Sexy that had the same thing. A few just little references in Princess Korea where he has these sort of stay in school messages, but it's like he himself is wrestling with this question. This should is it better for kids to stay in school or should they go out there and you know follow their dreams kind of thing? And there's a reference in this as well, uh, this sort of stay in school message, but then it's like it's so easy for him to say he never knew it any you know any other way or something like that. It's a really interesting question that seems to pop up every now and then in Prince's lyrics. You've got the guitar solo at 3.45 and the way it falls, you know, it's sort of like being hit by the plane. So you've got all this imagery going on with the music as well with the story. And I love the solo by Sonny T at 4.40, this little oh, chromatic yeah. bass solo. And then at the end of it, it's excellent. like... Yeah. It sounds to me like the end of it, it goes into like a keyboard synth out of nowhere. That do 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 Yeah. And it, it's just really interesting the way uh, it starts on a bass that's, solo. That's just, an, that's just an effect. That's, his, that's yeah? just Sonny playing with his pedals, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe. I always just heard that it like great. starts as a bass solo and ends as a synth bass solo, which is kind of cool. But maybe that's not the case. Uh, and then you've got the infamous Tony M rap. And uh, yes, it's a big epic song. Big E, you know, who loves who, who else loves a big rocking E minor E. Rock song, yeah. E major, E minor, whatever. I know, uh, I know. Third Eye Girl loves a big major rocking rock song with E minor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's my thoughts on Live for Love. Great big epic opener. You just reminded me of something. Closer. Which, which you just reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, closer. You just reminded me something which I hadn't thought of before, but you, when you were talking about dropping bombs and... In that way, this song is similar to Money Don't Matter Tonight, which is about, you know, war and oil and yeah. dropping bombs, which I never even made that connection until you just said that. Yeah, no, it's pretty rare for Prince to have two sort of political-minded songs on an album, so... Yeah, interesting. All right, all right. Uh, Live for Love. Hmm. It is a strong closer. It is a little bit all over the shop as well. I mean, it's a long song to start with, and it goes through through many different turns and twists and turns i really like the sound of the song and i love the different effects that he's using on his lead guitar work and some of the solos are really cool and it's got a really good momentum and energy to it of course the npg are all over this track and it kind of in a very subtle way reminds me of i don't know why but acdc's thunderstruck only not necessarily musically but just the intent Prince doesn't get as heavy from a rock point of view on this song, but there is just this attitude, this overall, like, I'm going to rock out a little bit, and he does it in his own way, which is interesting to hear. The Countdowns builds a little bit of hype, and for the most part, I think this song sustains that. It's very ambitious from the point of view that you read the title, Live for Love, and, I mean, that's very kind of... um, it's not ambiguous at all. You, you know what he's going to be singing about. And, you know, both Prince and Tony M do a decent job of explaining what they mean by what the title means. And, you know, the live version, again, I remember when I first got the Diamonds and Pearls VHS, the, the video that was released in 92. You know, that's really, really cool. And, and again, to mention Prince's guitar playing, he really kills it on those live versions. And Third Eye Girl, will they play this song? Uh, I think that's a long shot, but... It's a great idea, Captain, or whoever mentioned it. I think it was Captain. Yee! That'd be lovely to hear, <laughs> you know, 21 years after um, it was last released. And I don't think it's been played live since since the Diamonds and Pearls tour. Is that right? I don't think so. Yeah, so so that could be an interesting... And, you know, what more timely song can you possibly play than um, Live for Love in 2013? Oh, hold on. Uh, you could play Live Out Loud. <laughs> <laughs> or um, you can play Love Sexy. 
Yeah, something like that. They all start with the letter L. Live for love, live out loud, love sexy. Any one of those will do. And with that, let's get a player to finish this review. Uh, yeah, like, I agree. Like, if with, with uh, Third Eye Girl, like, the intensity in the guitar in this, is, it just sort of would suit Donna Granis perfectly. I liked it in the like the live version. There would be Prince and Levi like dueling, and Levi would have like an Ibanez guitar. He like put away that sort of mm. blue, blue Epiphone, uh, whatever guitar he's got, and he's just got like you know kind of like the metal axe on, you know. And they just rock out on this, especially the last like minute or two minutes of the song. It just really sort of builds up, and it's like really energy towards the end there. It's just sort of based around that um, turnaround that. You know, like that's reoccurring all the way through it. The start of it with that countdown to be it like when he gets down to what does he get down to three or something, and then the music starts. I'm just waiting for him to say psych at that point. You know, this is like, uh. and then it was written before the Gulf War, but it sort of fit in this album because it was the time when the Gulf War was. So it's kind of like it was it was a good choice to insert. I told you he had inside knowledge. He's in the Illuminati. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's ahead of his time. Still, again, yeah, the rap. Um, I mean, it's all right. It's probably um, like uh, Toe Jam said, he's probably the angel of death or something. But um, <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a good sort of rock song with a like a a good message. But yeah, he hasn't really played it for the last twenty years or so. So yeah, I'd be interested to see his interpretation of it now. But um. Yeah, probably my favourite part in the whole song is, apart from the guitar solos, is that bass thing that um, Tojin was referring to. But yeah, so it's a it's a pretty um, intense song, and it's a good closer, good epic closer for the album. Just like Prince said, he wouldn't play Diamonds and Pearls without Rosie. He should have said that he won't play this song without Michael B and Sunny T. It just it, it'd never be the same. I and reckon. It has, has he? No, I think I think that I would do a good job with this song. Oh yeah, they, I reckon it'd be alright, but I would always be comparing it. Every time like it came to that turnaround, the feel, I'd be looking at, at Hannah going, oh, Michael B did it better. <laughs> I just couldn't help it. That's me. Mm. Oh, they, they, they could do it, but I would always be comparing it, which is, that's, that's my problem now. Mm. Yeah. So we're done. That's it. The monster is done. The monster is done. Now MC has to rate it. Go on, MC. Raise <laughs> down Go on. the monster. Hey, hey, then rate this album, MC. Out of 42. 18. No. <laughs> oh. Out of 42? I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I, I haven't been rating albums for ages. I'm not going to start now. <laughs> Play it. Well, this album is is strange for me because I think it's a very well-produced pop album and very well-executed and... It's not like one of those Prince albums that sort of goes out off on tangents, except I guess maybe Jughead maybe does that. But for the most part, it is kind of like a hits album, and it did well, and I guess that's what it was designed to do, and it was very successful at that. For me, it's not an album that I revisit that much, and the reason I sort of gravitated to Prince's music was because it's kind of cult-like. It wasn't sort of as mainstream as other artists, so... When I listen to this album, it's a bit too sort of mainstream for me. I, I sort of revel in the um, sort of more obs- obscure stuff like Lotus Flower or Love Sexy or whatever. So, but yeah, I mean, I was talking to MC earlier this year. We were at the Gary Clark Jr. concert, and afterwards, you know, MC said to me like, you know, this is a really good album, and I, I agree with you. It is a it is a 
good album because I, mean, I haven't revisited it in a long time. And when you listen to it, it is good. But um, it's just it's just a weird album for me. And I'd have to rate it maybe six out of ten, not because it's bad, but it's just because it's not something that I kind of. If I was, I'd have to give it different ratings. For my own personal rating, I'd give it about six. If I'm looking at it from like a sort of like a casual fan or or just the execution part of it, it'd be a lot higher, maybe eight or so out of ten, because it is very good. It's just something that I don't really revisit that much. All right, all right, Captain, your go. This album was one of the first Prince albums I ever acquired. So, of course, it's going to be up. I can not give it a low score because it's it was the first. I can't, I can't remember exactly. I might have mentioned it in some old show. My memory's gone since then. But it was the first or second album that I got. So you have a sentimental attachment to it. I do. Yeah. So, I do. Yeah, so of course, you'll, you'll give it a higher score because of that. So I'm probably going to give it an... I'm going to do it, but I'm going to put it down just a little bit to try and take that sentimental part out of it and be objective. I'm going to give it oh, 8.1. 8.1. I was going to say 8.2, <laughs> but no, it's 8.1. It's, I reckon it's a great album. It is I, I, I like more of the, the pop stuff, and that's exactly what this album came out and did. It did, yeah. It, it was still Prince, but... You know, doing the pop thing his way, and did, I was I was thinking about this today. You can go back and look at albums which he, you know, really tried hard to make like a comeback album, like Rave or you know, Emancipation or Musicology. Mm. Yeah, the ones where he really tried and they didn't do that well. This one, it seems like you know he might have sort of tried, but it just killed. It was effortless, yeah. Commercial-wise, it just went mental. It did yeah. And it doesn't, you know, we don't know, but it doesn't seem to be super planned out to be like his big comeback. But everyone called it his comeback because before that he'd just done Graffiti Bridge, which was like a movie soundtrack. Most people ignored that. Batman soundtrack, another soundtrack. It was really his first album since Love Sexy, Mm. three years before that. And commercially it was a massive hit comeback out out of the wilderness for the last few years. Even since Sign of the Times, because Love Sexy even didn't do that well. Yeah. Well, point, I wonder if one of the reasons for that, I'm just thinking, is um, the videos. Because even I remember seeing the videos on TV on Rage and stuff. Yeah, and they were everywhere. He'd, obviously, he'd done videos in the past. But I think maybe you know Michael Jackson and that kind of thing was kind of lifting the standard quality of, of what, what's expected from pop videos. Obviously, he'd done Graffiti Bridge, but that's like a sort of little obscure project, really. Uh, and so, for me, one of the things I first think of is, in this album is, is the videos. Uh, and the videos are certainly of a higher quality, you know, production-wise, than probably anything he'd done, I think, before that. But what about the, bat- the Batman videos were great, though? Look at Party oh, Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. He was getting better all the time. Yeah, good point. I mean, even Graffiti Bridge, the movie, that's just one massive music video. Tick, Tick, Bang is great, a great performance video. <laughs> In the movie, no, no, I no love comment. that. I love that. <laughs> we'll get to that. No comment. I don't know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's, it's something about the production of the videos that sort of seems maybe it's sort of, they're sort of a bit more classy. More I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they are. It was around that time that he signed his, you know, hundred billion dollar contract. Yeah, the money was flowing. He had a bit more money, so yeah, yeah. The relationship with Warner Brothers, they got really got behind it. The marketing team must have been. You know, really supportive of it. They yeah, had that hologram, I mean, the hologram edition, and yeah, and the CD and, singles. Yeah, 
It was really good. We will never know for sure, but I can't see any complaint that Prince could have had with the way Diamonds and Pearls went. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he has. I'm sure he has, but from our point of view, it was, you know, it was a masterpiece, you know, promotion-wise, and music videos, and... It was. And the tour, it was all just, it was executed very well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just, the whole thing was done beautifully. And the music videos, yeah, the, the quality of the music videos. Like, look at the music video for Diamonds and Pearls. And it's, it was filmed in, oh, like, where was it? Some city hall or something? Yeah. And it's just classy. It just looks classy. And uh, I've got to stop talking now. Yeah. Uh, Toe Jam, your, your uh, rating, if you have one? Yeah, I agree with Player. It's a tough one to rate because there is a lot of good songs on here, like Diamonds and Pearls. That's an amazing song. Walk, don't walk. We talked about that one. There's lots, lots of really great, interesting songs, and it's very, it is very ambitious. You know, he's trying to like push. Kind of summarizes the album, or that aspect of the album, anyway. Trying to cram as many things in as possible. The uh, the rap and the the big beat, the and the beats sound different, don't they? Like it's sort of the the Lindrum's no longer present. It's sort of more sampled beats and this kind of thing. Like I said, the the orchestra, the samples, the the string samples, the not so much horns on this one, the rap, and it's it's a lot going on, really thick mixes, lots and lots of stuff happening in every single track. Uh, so it's very ambitious, so I give it points for that. Uh, but I think as an album, I, I agree with Player, it's not something that you listen to as an experience of an album, yeah. um, unlike, say, Love Sexy or Purple Rain or or even something like Lotus Flower. Again, like it's it's sort of this, it's like really thick chocolate cake that's almost too much that it's not as good as it could be. Ooh. <laughs> I would say it's bad. No, I, I enjoy it. So, you know, you... you the whole rap thing is also like another controversy in Prince World. Like everyone kind of pays out the fact that he had the rapper and everything, and I can see that, and I I do agree with it to some point. It, it, at what point was it an attempt to cash in on that market, or was it him trying to regain like, the black audience? Yeah, or, or just trying to trying to experiment with it. Like um, you know, I think he genuinely thought he was just he was trying to experiment with this new modern music, this rap. But unfortunately. It didn't really work, and so it comes across like he's just selling out. Does that make sense? Yeah. It like, comes across like after all the years of being way, uh, you know, in front of the trend. Yeah. Now he's chasing yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I don't. But I don't think that was ever his intention, though. I think. I think he was genuinely trying to incorporate something new into his music. It yeah. just. It just. It didn't work as well as without it, basically. So yeah, I'll probably give this. Uh, I always seem to give albums a score, maybe a seven. Again, there's some amazing songs on there. Thought-provoking songs, Money Don't Matter, Live for Love, great ballads, interesting, good stuff. I know there are versions of, I think, all the songs on this album that contain Tony M. There's versions where someone's edited him out totally, and it's just not the same. I mean, I can't imagine how this album would have been if there wasn't any rap on it. It's such a part of this album for me, especially being my first or second album, that I just can't imagine... Without Tony M on there, I said it. There's definitely like a, a, you know, we often say, you know, Prince's albums, and like most other artists really, like you can see the sort of evolution as they go. And between some albums, sometimes there's more of a leap than others. And I think there's definitely a bit of a leap sonically between Graffiti Bridge and Diamonds and Pearls. Like you can see where one's come from the other, but I think it's probably just the drumbeat thing again. Like the shift from that sort of more cleaner Lin sort of drum beats into this sort of more sampled beats and this kind of thing. It's a bit of a shift. Interesting. (laughs) I'm just listening to all you guys and thinking about my own summary of this album, which I've already kind of discussed, but I'm struggling to rate it, and mainly because I don't rate albums anymore, as you guys well know. But the one thing that strikes me 
when I think of Diamonds and Pearls and compare it to all the other albums that Prince has put out, it reminds me actually of 3121 and to a lesser extent Musicology. It was kind of after the time where he released some really experimental, interesting music and conceptual music and then came out with, to Toe James' point, this really rich chocolate cake of an album where there is so much going on on every track, more or less, and he's hopping from one style to another. He's now including hip-hop. The sound has been updated. It's more contemporary. It sounds like everything has changed. It sounds like the boards have changed, the, the plugins have changed. Everything that you can think of from a sound point of view has really been enhanced. And if you take out the songs that I don't love, for example, Daddy Pop, Jughead, and Push, I think you're left with one of his best albums from a pure song-for-song point of view. You know, like, it's really strong material. But overall, I think it's those little things, just like on Musicology, there are a few songs that lengthen it too much. Life and, and of the party. Uh, yeah, I yeah. wasn't gonna go. I wasn't gonna go into them, although I agree with you. <laughs> but but thirty one twenty one is, is is a similar to me, much more successful attempt, and, and one of his best albums, without a doubt. But it's similar in in the song selection and and the song um, uh, the pro- the programming, the album, the sequence is what I'm looking for. The, the sequence is similar. That's the thing that whenever I pick this album up and I think, yeah, I'm going to listen to Diamonds and Pearls today, the first things, three things that I think of are Daddy Pop, Jughead and Push, instead of thinking about all the other great material on it. That's Does that true. make sense? So, yeah, I mean, a really enjoyable listen from my point of view, a really solid album in his discography, but I don't want to use the word but as a negative word because it's not in this instance. It's just one of those things that, you know, everyone's got their own thoughts and I think more so with an album like Diamonds and Pearls or Symbol or... Or the the other two albums, Musicology and Thirty One Twenty One, that I mentioned. More, so, there's more conjecture and dispute amongst hardcore fans with those albums than what, what I consider the classics, Ninety Nine and Purple Rain, Son of the Times, etc. But it was really fun going through the song by song with you guys and and talking about you know where they came from and and our thoughts and also where this album fits in his discography. Talking about MPG being this being their first album about this. This was the first band album since Parade. Yeah. So that's a that's a fair jump from nineteen eighty six. Yeah, five year stretch, pretty 86 much. Eighty six to ninety, yeah, early ninety one. Yeah. And everything in between was one man band, pretty much. Well, and and some of this material is a one man band for the most part too. I mean, Insatiable mm. and Thunder, and there's a couple of other songs. Uh, but you, the cr- credit wise, you know, Prince and the yeah. Revolution was Parade. Everything else since then was Prince. And then 91, Diamonds and Pearls, Prince and the NPG. The, the other thing I really enjoy about this album is, it just popped into my head now, there are some songs on here that really showcase Prince as a contemporary songwriter. You know, like some of the hip-hop experiments didn't really work, but on the other hand, there's some slow to mid-tempo material on this that really positions him yeah, I agree. as an incredibly skillful composer yeah. in, in modern music, in modern pop music. Yeah, I'm something I, like, willing yeah. and able. It's like comes to mind straight away. Yeah, exactly. And strolling and walk don't walk and things like that. Yeah, and even diamonds and pearls. I mean, really, it's in from an arrangement point of view. It's yeah. pretty epic. It is. And I mean, his '80s material was without par, without peer, almost in that era. But even then, it was he was experimenting a lot with, with song forms and and 
and incredibly unique, but it's almost like half of Diamonds and Pearls is Prince tackling, as I said, contemporary sounds. And that's kind of cool to hear. It is, yeah. So that's another unique element of this album. It's not necessarily the Prince that is up in the studio coming up with his most uniquely creative work, but instead creating something really catchy and um, and some really solid material. So I, I, I enjoy it from that aspect as well. And, and even, you know, when, when you look at this whole era, Symbol album and, and um, the Gold Experience... He, you know, he's, re- he's really becoming a master composer as, a po- as opposed to an incredibly skillful and creative one in the 80s. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, have you heard of the Peach and Black podcast? Yeah, I love them. I think they are great. I like them a lot. I think they're totally neat. Okay, um, I hear that you're working for them in Montreux. Hang on, who is this? Okay, um, they're gonna be in a little trouble and, uh... <laughs> <laughs> who is that? Okay, we gotta go now. Have a nice night, okay? <laughs> who, who is... who is that? Goodbye! <laughs> MC! You're off to Montreux. Yes, I am. A little holiday. Yes? Who's going on holiday? You are. Yeah, I am. To a Switzerland. <laughs> yes, I am going on holiday to Switzerland. Well, it's not. It's not only to Switzerland. It's. I'll be in, in the European region for a few weeks, a couple of weeks. Wow. Um, Peach and Black tour. Let's go. Who's selling the tickets? That's <laughs> Live Nation. Live Nation. Three hundred and eighty dollar VIP tickets available through Live Nation. You, you you'll be able to find <laughs> MC from Peach and Black podcast at all good live music venues. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Europe, well, between specifically uh, Stravinsky St- yeah, Auditorium, Stravinsky Auditorium, that's right. Yeah. On night two and night three, I'm still missing tickets for for night one at the moment. So if anyone wants to hook me up, um, yeah, someone help him out. Any, any listeners? A, someone's got to have a spare ticket for. I got cash, day. filthy greens for you. So so that's any, that. Any expectations? Zero, zero, nil. Now you're going to nights two and three, correct? I'm going to nights two and three. Yep. I I don't have any expectations at all. But I do have a wish, and my wish is that on one of those nights, I will get to see and hear the sounds of Third Eye Girl and Prince blowing the roof off. I would love to experience that. If I don't get to night one, I would really, it would just be a bit of a shame to be there, you know, in that town, in Montreux. What about DVDs? You have a wish for a DVD? No, not really. No? I think I think. Come if on, man! You were blowing the horn for last time. I was for 2009. I was, um, and I, I don't know why, but for some reason that I just. Hey, it, hey, it, hey! Don't forget, it said on the Third Eye Girl website, Montreux DVD coming soon. No. So don't, just wait for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be waiting a long time. I feel so. Huh. Yeah, I'm just really ready, willing, and able to experience anything that'll happen over there. It, it's a special place, Montreux, and you. You guys have heard me go on and on about how much I love the area, even though I've only been there once. It's the magical place, and it's a magical place for music specifically. And it's the first year, the Montreux Jazz Festival, um, w- without its founder. Terrible. And that's going to be an, a, you know, it'll be a melancholic feel, I think, to start with. But once the music gets underway and people start really playing and in listening to and enjoying the, the experience that it is, Claude doesn't um, want you to be sad. Exactly. I think people are going to 
really tribute him and and I'm sure he's going to be all over the place in both in spirit but also I think they're going to plan some some interesting tributes to him in fact the last night will be a tribute to him so yeah I can't wait I can't wait what about you guys have you guys you know not not that it's you know it's it's Australia's a little bit far away from Switzerland from that point of view but yeah, just a little bit yeah. you'll be reading about <laughs> it I'm sure uh any uh, kind of somebody said it's going to be three bands three different shows so I hope that's what it is well, when you say somebody, we, I can't we, remember where I saw it though. <laughs> I remember. We should we should give we should give him a shout out. Doctor Funkenberry ah. first announced that from memory. Doctor Funkenberry said that, uh, well, he revealed that a little bird t- told him that the shows were going to be filmed and there was going to be a different band on each night. Whether that's still going to occur, who knows? The little paisley bird. That's right. But we'll wait and see and. One way or the other, I think you can't go wrong. Three Nights in Montreux by Prince and whatever band he chooses to bring there, even if it's all three of them, should be good. There are some rumours swirling around that um, the MPG, the 2200-piece orchestra, will be um, <laughs> will be arriving. Those are just rumours. As long as they all get there on time. There, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are rumours that Third Eye Girl may be in the area. So you never know. There are rumors that there may be an experimental band playing with him as well. Meaning, you know, he's been kind of trialing and rehearsing other players. Who was that drummer? Remember that other guy? Ronald, uh, Ronald Bruno Jr., I think. No, yeah, no, no. Before, no, before that, like a year ago, there was this other uh, guy. Chris Coleman? Chris Coleman. Imagine if him and Tal turned up and did the, 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 like the second show. That yeah, was that'd, it. Be, that'd be something, wouldn't it? I think that it's pretty unlikely. Oh, uh, who knows? It's Montreux. Anything can happen. <laughs> I think it's pretty unlikely, but you never know, Captain. Cross your fingers. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Tal Wilkenfeld's been up to these days. Not really well, sure. Well, but, just uh, remember, Prince said to us that he had that CD in the limo, so now he's going to play it for you live. That's it. You, you mean go up on stage and just press play on the CD player? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Sample set. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're in the Moncho region, go and say hello to MC. We'll also have um, Nikki oh. there representing for Peach and Black as well. And she'll be filming for our YouTube channel. So if you want to be on part of Peach and Black YouTube channel, go and see her. She'll interview you and you'll be part of the Peach and Black experience. But if you see um, MC, don't give him a hard time. Just look after him for us. We want him back in one piece. He'll be, the be... One, he'll be the one probably not wearing a Peach and Black shirt. <laughs> so you should find him real easy. Yeah, yeah we... I'm, I might be... I might... The, <laughs> might... the lanyard. That's right. I might be difficult to recognize, so I apologize for that. He's uh... a man of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll find Nikki. Nikki will be around. It'd be Just great don't find Nikki. She'll, she'll dob him in. <laughs> it, it would be really good, really cool to have, to have all of us there and to have all of you with me, actually. Maybe one day it'll happen. You know, this will be Prince's third appearance at the festival. You know, he was first there in 07, then in 09, and now four years later, 2013. I thought it would never happen, but it uh, shows you how little I know. And uh, I can't believe it's four years since last Montreux. That's crazy. insane. Yeah. It does feel crazy, doesn't it? And we, and we still look and sound as young as ever. I mean, the, the Pe- energy. What is it? Pe- Peach and Black don't crack either. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the energy on this show is palpable. I mean... It is, and it's it's going from strength to strength. So you think uh, we're then, running out of things to say by now? But no, we just keep coming up with junk. We just keep repeating the same old stuff. I, yeah, our, our <laughs> listeners haven't noticed. Always just going on about whammy bars, just same old crap all the time. Yeah, whammy bars, Montreux, 
Monster DVDs, at least scanners. <laughs> Look at us. It's been four years since the last Montreal. We still can't stop talking about it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So when you come back from Montreal, we'll get you on with Nikki and you can tell us all about your rave review of it. I hope to, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I hope my... You can tell us how customs hassle you with all your <laughs> merchandise. Look, I'm not buying any posters this time. I, um... <laughs> oh, actually, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. Uh, off air. <laughs> I hope that my voice holds up and that it's um, in uh, That's in how you're going to get out of it. We're going to get on to record your review of Montreux and you're going to be like, I can't talk, I lost my voice. It was, oh. it was amazing. <laughs> and, you, and you're just getting Nikki to do the whole show. <laughs> there you go. Which she'll love. But <laughs> So, yeah, I look forward to that. Look forward to that immensely. And uh, what else? What else? Uh, I'm actually checking out, not, not this interests anyone in particular, but uh, I will be checking out a couple of other... Cool act, Marcus Miller. Uh, looking forward to that with his new young band. Incredible band that he's got traveling with him now. Uh, Esperanza in uh, south of France. That'll be good. So, yeah, there's a, there's a few shows that are happening. S Club 7. That's right. <laughs> Boyzone, Westlife, <laughs> and... Um... Oh, they're all Nikki's favorites. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to kill you for saying anything about Westlife or Boyzone. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I think uh, that's about it. And uh, thank you for listening to the show. We're fading out, we're fading out, we're fading out. Seriously?